and welcome to episode 355 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Plenty to get into this week. We'll start with Arsenal versus Manchester United, football heritage. VAR was at the front as Mr. Basmati, Declan Rice and Gabriel Jesus wrapped up a late win at the Emirates. Liverpool made light work of consensus dark horses Aston Villa. Brighton walloped Newcastle to extend the disappointing star that Eddie Howe's side have made. Normal service was resumed at Stamford Bridge as the billion pound boys were battered again. A proper relegation six-pointer ended in both sides taking home a point each. And then there were wins for Man City, Big Ange and Roy's Palace too. Chris Eubank Jr. got his revenge against Liam Smith and Jaden Sancho hit back against Eric Ten Hag. TK, how are we doing today? Excellent on a warm, warm day. <laughs> a very warm day. If one of us just stops talking halfway through this, they've died. What? I must have just been out of the loop for the last week because last week I was hearing people say, it's more like 30 degrees next week. And I thought it was just like an express. They one were of just, those things yeah. people say. I'm in the office today and I looked at the weather on my phone and it's all 29. Jesus, what the hell is going on here? Got spooked. I referenced you just before we started. We did that uh, Premier League years pod last year. Last July-ish, yeah. Must have been. I guess so, yeah. And that was probably the hottest one we've ever endured to the point we broke it down to be like every 15 minutes to just get some air sporadically. Did we do like two and a half hour pod on that as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some going. Longer than that because of the breaks that we (laughs) we were doing. When you're looking afterwards and it's like 28 minutes on uh, (laughs) Jermaine Defoe's Portsmouth. (laughs) The yeah. heat had just sent us to a place where we were just deludedly discussing Benjani. Yeah, we you hit a lull and someone says, remember John Utaka? <laughs> just kicks you back up. <laughs> um, we'll start with Arsenal, Man United, as we said. So Arsenal's... Well, if you're going to force yourself to. Yeah, yeah well, it might have been very different. Um, did contemplate asking Brad or Goff after I had seen uh, what the end result was, but did think we did not need an extra body in here. That they, might have been, that might have been that. too much. No. It's enticing an offer to United fans. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to come in and sit in a boiling hot room discussing a traumatising loss? Yeah, I mean, I always think people might want to get it off their chest, but doing this each week, it's very much no choice. And so I kind of eliminate in my head the idea that someone could just not talk about it <laughs> and they could just do that instead rather than, do you want to talk about it or not? So... Yeah, Arsenal's meetings with United always tend to deliver drama. It is one of the matchups in the league that no matter how good or shit both sides have been, we've largely been it at the same time as each other. And so it's kept it close. Yeah, it's true. And you still get some thumpings in that time, some that I don't need to refer to, but the sides haven't been too far apart in terms of ability. Last season, we had the 3-2 game, Eddie scoring in the last minute didn't get to celebrate that one properly till afterwards because of the dodgy offside that it looked at the time and we had a very similar game this time around we had an early dagger from Rashford an instant strike back we had some controversial challenges a penalty overturned a goal overturned and then two late goals just insane as a neutral did this one live up to its billing yeah yeah it ticked all the boxes you could have wanted as a neutral lots of drama Plenty of pissed off fans on both sides, which was fun. <laughs> you knew someone was going to be devastated at the end. 
I can't, I'll be honest, you kind of just don't want a draw as a neutral, you, unless it suits you. Yeah, I was, for league reasons, it suits you, but just because you just you want to see someone pissed off. I was about to ask, comparatively, I don't know how much like the measure is of disliking both teams. Like I can go into Spurs United, which is probably a good comparison, and really, whoever's closer to us, I want to see lose. Mm. This time around, weirdly, I found myself rooting for Spurs and I didn't like it. Oof. Um, but yeah, like Chelsea United is probably, I don't care who wins. I just want to see a good game. But then I do see sometimes probably Liverpool United for me, I would rather it be a dull game and Liverpool win than United thump you. <laughs> Maybe it would be good for a Monday night, but yeah, I don't want to see them happy at all. I don't know what the balance is for you in that circumstance. Uh- yeah, the default saying is always going to be a United loss to me. Uh, the only way it wouldn't in, a, in an Arsenal-United context would be if we found ourselves in a title race respectively, then I would go, well, I hope United win. And the benefit to the current setup at United is every time they win, I think they think they're onto something. <laughs> and I don't think they're onto anything at all, so it's perfect. A good comparison for that is probably every time Kai Havertz scored for Chelsea... And they thought, hang on, are we onto something? Yeah, keep and playing then, this guy. I now find myself in a similar circumstance, but we don't look like we're getting close to that anytime soon. Of course. Gary Neville was perplexed that Arsenal were just allowing Onana to keep hold of the ball for so long. <laughs> they allowed Lindelof to hold on to it, and at times, Lissandro, 199 passes inside their own half in the first 45 minutes. To me, I thought that was clearly by design. Like We weren't going to press onto them and leave the spaces for them to then spray it to Rashford while we were stretched. It was just very passive play by them, more than us, I felt. There was like no bite to what they were doing. And I'm not even making a joke here. Like he, He's obviously aware, as a former coach, Gary Neville, about like pressing triggers and how rather than charge forwards, eh, yeah, <laughs> we let them have it, cut off all their options, and then just force them to go along, which worked really well, I thought, in, say, the first 25. And then we would just recycle the ball and go again. The, the moment in which they get the goal is we think we've got them boxed in. We press everyone up and Declan Rice is actually up by the left corner flag and it works. We do then win the ball back in that area. Havertz just unfortunately gives the ball away while everyone's spread. Did you agree with his assessment as even on his post game, he said that we would have got what we deserved if the Garnacho goal counted because we were just letting them play. But that wasn't how I was reading it during the game. <laughs> It's the hard thing with Ten Hag's United is that how much of these games are by their design or how much are they being forced into this? It, certainly in the first half, it felt like Arsenal were boxing them in and forcing them into this. Mainly because, you know, you can't tell me that the centre-back's looking up, seeing no options on, so giving it back to the keeper, you know, was a game plan. I don't think that was uh, especially so. But then at the same time, once the Rashford goal goes in, then they can say, well, yeah, we, we knew Arsenal were going to have more of the ball. We knew they were going to press and we were just going to nick that goal and then we were going to sit in. Now, we don't know whether that was a plan or not because Arsenal scored pretty much immediately yeah. afterwards. But if that had been, it would have been working to perfection at that point because it's a brilliant breakaway goal. The, the, you don't deal with Rashford brilliantly, but at no. the same time, the way he picks it up and finishes. You, we usually press like monsters at home and we, hmm. do, we do that whether we're playing Man City or we're playing Liverpool or whoever. And so I thought 
I thought we were insulting them in a way. I thought we were basically saying, you've only got one way of beating us. And so we don't believe you can play through us. Mm. And that was true for the most part. It's, it's this level of football that a United side, which most people are very down on, they get one chance, really. Yeah. Arsenal have now conceded with the first shot against them for the seventh time in a year. Blimey. And we saw exactly here why Rashford is best off the left. Yeah. 27th yeah, yeah. minute, he gets his goal. He just needs to be allowed to flourish in his best position. Ericsson gets the ball, spreads it nicely, to be fair, down nice the left channel. Really yeah. nice. Ben White, Rashford seems to be just the guy in his career that just to torments him. I had I had a bet, actually, pre-game, and it was Rashford any time. I was pretty certain on that. And Ben White to get a booking. When the Rashford goal went on, I didn't like it, but I thought, Basically, yeah. I have my money here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was upwards of 20 to 1 for the bet. Jesus. Fortunate. Maybe I could have, um, if he'd like taken his shirt off at the end to get booked or something, I wouldn't have yeah. complained too much. But it was, we have a real issue with backing off. And I, I searched my tweets. I thought, I've definitely complained about this before. I've complained about it on here before. And at this stage, I have to think it's by design because there's no way you can see this happening every week and no one picks up on it. So I don't know if they're supposed to back up to that extent because it, if, yeah, it was bizarre to me it. that Rashford has the ball and you show him inside the penalty area. And yeah, we did it in the second half be. as well. That, yeah, that can't really be. The, the thing with backing off is sometimes, and definitely when you're at a game and the fans are all like, stop backing off games from whatever. <laughs> yeah. The problem is obviously if you say did the opposite of that and dived in on Marcus Rashford and he goes past you I was like why the hell are you diving in yeah. and that's a much bigger problem right so I can see where it happens but most players obviously when they start backing up once it gets to the box they go right we've got to do something because we don't Hold want you the in ground, the box yeah. because we in this game we saw what happens for anything any sort of touch but the, the issue yeah you're never going to be saying to Rashford surely show him inside you're always going to be trying to show him down the left at least maybe Ben White thought he had a bit more protection with Saliba just behind him. But regardless, and there's one later as well where they do stand off and let Rashford take a shot. Yeah. The guy can hit a ball. Yeah. So don't don't let him of all people. Well, that's what do happened that. in, in, so the, in the You first are game. right, there is something that they're clearly not supposed to be doing in terms of there's got to be some closing down yeah, at some we, point. We do it with Salah as well, and he's far trickier than Rashford, and that's mm. why I think it must be a thing of I don't know if we're saying we we back everyone we have basically so that we'll back off and the man sweeping in behind means you ain't going to get past both of us. It's just a very weird way of defending. It's like not like anything I've heard taught before. I will say in this one, it looked like a team that was scrambling a bit as well. Yeah. Look, even, just the counter-attack was on and because obviously it gets played inside white. So he's at, he's at a disadvantage already. He's having to chase it. And I do, I do think Rashford probably scares them a bit. He did. They did look worried when he got the ball. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit here and Arteta said something in his post-game presser that he, he kind of skirted past quite quickly. And he basically said the one thing we couldn't allow them to do was win the ball when we'd only made, I think he said two passes or something like that. And essentially saying we needed to be in control of the ball and either have like everyone pressed up or nobody pressed up because the point they do it, as I say, Rice is by the left corner flag the yeah. defence is just spread all across the pitch and yeah, we're just caught out. Ramsdale, I'm, I'm not saying that there's much more he can do there. I think the fact he gets a hand to it doesn't help yeah, his cause, but it's a good finish, the whole defence is just sliding across. Yeah, and it's what 
it's what Rashford can do if you give him that opportunity. He loves scoring against us anyway. It's how he made his name in the league. Hmm. And the disappointing thing from an Arsenal perspective is probably that, and I'm going to make this point about United in general, is that Rashford's really the only threat in those instances. Because when they look up and get the counter-attack, Martial should be in theory, but it just kind of isn't. No. And Anthony isn't. You know, they If you look up and say, right, counter-attack's on, when you bombing on from the halfway line, he just isn't that sort of player. He's just not that quick. Outside of the goal, I didn't think they got him in the game enough. Um, Rashford? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Not as you say, only real threat. There's the one time where he has that like three on three on the counter and his IQ kicks in and he just does nothing with it. That was, yeah, that was poor from him. Yeah, poor I was myself then. And the, the angle was weird yesterday. There's the one that he follows up on the rebound that they give Ramsdale credit for saving first, but Ben White blocks it. Yeah. They've scored that goal against us so many times. That was the only real mistake I think Ramsdale made yesterday is he just palmed it straight out down the middle. Hmm. But yeah, once that was out of the way, it just it felt threatening because of how persistent we were being. But there wasn't really a moment that I say after that where they had a shot or something where I'm, that was obviously the issue. And when we talk about combat sports, we often hear about how you shouldn't fight with emotion, etc., etc., the frustrating thing with us is a lot of times we seem to be a bit better when someone pegs us back and we come out swinging. You put in our group chat yesterday that we should prepare for, I think, the dirtiest low block you'd ever seen at 1-0. By the time I finished writing the message, yeah, you scored. So. 35 seconds later and yeah. we're level. And that's the only time really we played one-touch football for the entire game. I don't know if it was so much about control and not letting them get a transition game on us, but I would have backed our one-touch football to beat their one-touch football yesterday and that was perhaps the most frustrating thing. Yeah, the uh, but you had spells like it last year where it seemed like you did need a goal to go goal down, sort of yeah. get everyone up, get the crowd up and uh, and then you're all over them. And straight after you score, you're thinking it could be a case of how many <laughs> yeah. because suddenly it looks like the floodgates are open, United look a bit shook. Onana, who's probably just peeled himself out of the crowd, <laughs> yeah. is telling everyone to calm down. Like, Maybe you should take a leave out your own book. It's it's a nice finish from Odegaard. It's the kind of goal that he's begun to trademark now. Yeah, he's he's great at those. And every time he has a game where either he doesn't get a shot on target, I've spoken to so many bets on that, or doesn't get in his position, you're frustrated because you know how good he is at them. But we're saying this, I'm sure most people watching have seen him do that. Apparently United didn't, <laughs> yeah. because quite a few times they let him drift there. There was one before he even scored. Well, Lissandra's trying him. to point, isn't he? And Ericsson is just in another dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a few instances where even the, uh, what is effectively the winning goal with Rice, where United just seem to freeze, where you're just wondering <laughs> what the hell's going on. I-, I was thinking yesterday, a little moment in the game, that it- it's weird that not so long back, we had no clue that Erdegaard was one of the best players in the league. And it's yeah. bizarre to think that's not so long ago that he was just a guy that was being loaned out of Real Madrid. And he's definitely grown. Within I his think, first six months at Arsenal, he was a bit shaky. Yeah, I do think there's a bit of rewriting of that as well. Only in that, I think, maybe not all of us, but I think most of us probably knew he had this talent in there. It's just what you were going to be able to extract out of there. For example, you know, Madison's balling out of Spurs. Nobody questioned if Madison was good enough. <laughs> it's just what you could get out of him. Could you get him in the right position, in the right team? And it's probably the same case with, with Odegaard. Certainly not. I didn't expect him to be someone that would seize responsibility in the way that he has. No, no, that's probably fair. Even in what you say about how quickly we could have kind of put the game away, the fact he grabs the ball and 
he doesn't celebrate the goal really. He grabs no, the no. ball, celebrates, and says, "Let's get we'll back get on it." Net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that, but it just didn't quite play out that way. Havertz is still <laughs> luckless. A question that for it. is more difficult for me. I wonder if it'll be a difficult one for you. At this stage, do you think he's a bad player or just out of form? Can I have both? <laughs> can, it's a bad combo. Yeah. But the, uh, no, I just think he isn't as bad as this, but he is also, I don't think he's going to be good enough to justify going through the shit. I think our tech kind of things, we've got to get through this to get to the glory. Hence why his uh, analogy of when he met his wife. <laughs> um, well, I saw someone say pre-game, He's just seen like something on Facebook from years ago saying you can't turn a hoe into a housewife, and he is now <laughs> challenged. He's, 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 yeah, yeah. That's the thing with Havertz. I do think even in his Chelsea days, I think you'd watch games and you'd probably think he's going to give you some good stuff. It's not like, and I can see why Arsenal fans are searching for it, but it's not like you're going to go for a game and he's going to be dross throughout. But there's just going to be enough instances of losing the ball here, making the wrong decision there, that I don't think he's got enough upside basically to get you away with it. That miss in the first half, I was I was dying. Yeah, I mean... I didn't a, know that's possible. No, <laughs> for a player who you'd at least say is technically very good, the connection on it is just so At least horrible. kick it wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's you go say, look, how's your luck? As well as not playing well, you also you're out of luck but someone that is with him as well even if you've got a level of talent that he clearly has he can get so like downhearted you can visibly see like even after that miss it was like the world's on his shoulders and I just wonder even if he picks up the form I don't think you're ever far away from that coming back again another miss where another couple of games and he's back to it again it's it's almost like somebody who can't get out of bad form. Yeah, you've, you've bought a confidence player that has no confidence. And the only thing there is, and we can't go back there now, in pre-season, he, he did look different. He was getting far more involved. The idea is supposed to be that Eddie or Jesus can drop in like they do and he presses forward and suddenly we've got a big guy at top but a big guy at top that can actually move. Hmm. And... In preseason, I think he got, what, three goals, two goals maybe. But he just looked like he was playing freely. And I do think... The lights are too bright. Well, Yeah, say one had just... He spooned one in on the opening day. And then all of a sudden... Because for the first, what, couple of months of the season, if you have one goal to your name, people are going to say, you know, he's getting started, he's done this. You just can't have that without a goal tweet yeah. that, that goes Yeah, out. yeah. And you are right. Even something like that would probably boost his confidence and suddenly you'd see an improved player. But that's that's where I sort of probably, the junction where I and maybe Arsenal fans, definitely Arteta, maybe split, where you might go, what? Then he's off to the races. Or I might go, I think he'll be better, but I don't think he's going to be yeah, the, changing your life sort of player. Because the only weird thing is, I, I don't think he hides... Because like the numbers no. suggest that he's getting in around there. It isn't that probably wish he would. It isn't that he doesn't make an effort, which is what you would put with a player in this bracket. He kind of does everything right, and it's still not going his way, which is perhaps <laughs> which is perhaps the worrying thing. Like, he's got the pass that he then gives away for the goal, which just compounded the worst half ever. I was just get this guy off. But 
if you're Arteta and you do have this belief in him, I don't know how long you wait it out for. Because at the moment... But how do you want? So exactly. Not, because you're out of it. And for as good as Vieira has been the last two games, and I was going to say this later... Do you trust him starting? I can't put that man in there against Anana, Decore, and Idris Agana game yeah. <laughs> at Goodison. That's just that would just be unfair. Havertz, and part of the reason we bought him, he is six foot four. He did. I've win. heard that man's height more than I think. Yeah. So, but essentially, he's going to be in there just on account of that because Tross, Trossard is little, Vieira is little, and in some of these away games. He ain't putting someone small in there alongside Erdegaard. It's not like he's got a, no. a big guy next to him. I just, I just don't think he's that physical specimen that people think either. Oh he's no, not for, I think on paper you would go, yeah, that makes a level of sense. And look, they're very slight, so Trossard and Vieira are out. But but again, it's what you could have got instead of Havertz is such. A oh, lot. I'm I'm looking at Madison each week at the moment. I'm looking at Sabozlai mm. every week at the moment, and that's only going to be magnified if it, yeah, if it. Yeah. Um, doesn't get better because I'm pretty sure next window we're going big on a centre forward. Really? Okay. I think that if you look at the way things are being built, I think that's the next place that they're going to say, we're going to do that. And Jesus may be in there playing minutes there. He may also be Martinelli. You might have to step your game at Saki. You might have to yeah, yeah. play a certain way. And this is how we'll do it. I think I just that seems to be the, the consensus among most fans is it's going to be someone people are, you thought you might get someone in before the end of this window though so yeah, people are willing us into that Evan Ferguson conversation I don't need a summer of that so just <laughs> put that on the back burner already no, we'll try and hijack it it'll yeah. go wrong you can get him well All even right. then even when Arsenal fans think his luck's about to change when he wins that second half penalty a VAR check overturns that which <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that not, not at this stage he's putting himself about he's getting in some good spaces but even like Zinchenko moving and playing he was essentially right central midfield when he came in and I don't know if that's to free up some of the lanes for Havertz in build up I don't know if it's that Rice covers that deep left space Zinchenko then comes in on the right Erdegaard pushes further up I don't know if we were trying to overload the right-hand side and then switch it to Martinelli, who we thought was going to have more success than Saka was. It was it was very odd, and you don't want your whole system being shifted to support a guy who isn't justifying that. No. But I also think it would be a bit too soon. I think if you bomb him out now, I think you're in an irretrievable place in terms of his confidence. There's nothing you can do then because what he scores in the League Cup and what's that doing? He has to be playing in there. Yeah, it's whether you have to make such an adjustment to get this player is is probably the question. The other thing, with the party injury, your hand is largely being played for you as well. Yeah, the team kind of picked itself yesterday, didn't it? If party was fit, then we're maybe having a different discussion. We're going, well, why isn't he going with his midfield from last year? Blah, right in the jacket roll. Well, it's kind of because... I think I said this last week, Erdegaard, when he hit a patch of not influencing games after he'd signed permanently, Hmm. he was dropped for about two months-ish. And he came back like, okay, now I know what I've got to do. Xhaka was going to be got rid of the year before we get rid of him. And Arteta basically says, you have a month to show me you can play this role or the window won't be shut. We'll get someone else in. Yeah, And we do it that way. 
Havertz doesn't strike me as that character that you can do that to. <laughs> no. And so it, it is a very tricky situation because I do feel I can already see more. This position compared to what he was doing at Chelsea makes a lot more sense to me when I see what he can do. I don't think we're getting any more out of him sticking up top because he can't do what Eddie can do, let alone what Gabriel Jesus can do. I think it goes worse if you put him up top. I would agree there. And then his best game, I thought maybe was the Cuny Shield. So <laughs> I don't really, I don't really know at this stage. We've got yeah, Everton away coming up. Spurs. Look, if you can do well against Spurs, then that goes a long way. If he chances Spurs, if he puts that in against United, again, could be talking about. You know, I tweeted they, the fans immediately love him, and he's got a little bit more time again. I tweeted pre-game, he's going to have a big impact here. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but it's going one way. And at halftime, <laughs> I wrong. thought, Jesus, he's yeah, he's having that impact. I don't know because Arteta has already had to come out and basically say, give the guy support, and I think a lot of people will do that because of that, but. I don't know. It's, it has played into Havertz's hands, the media question it, because it does mean I'll get Arteta will double down more, well, did you for, his, certainly for a little bit of time. His one, and it, he, he has some credit in the bank, and he was using this about his defensive setup, and he said, people told me Ben White couldn't play right back. People said, why are you signing Ramsdale? And now they're telling me, why are you signing another goalkeeper to replace the guy yeah. that wasn't good enough? Yeah. And so he has it. He said, Granit Xhaka can't play in, in Arsenal's midfield. Eventually, those don't all work. We've been saying Brighton signings. Eventually, one of these replacements isn't going to hit. And yeah, yeah, exactly. We just have to hope it it isn't this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's the same with us. You know, we had, mistake. We yeah. had an absolute murderer's row of just signing after signing, working out. Eventually, Navi Keita comes in. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. And I, what I didn't want to just think of then, I do remember for a while people saying, well, Liverpool don't often get it wrong. So <laughs> this one eventually. That was exactly it. Yeah. And to be fair, he was. Weirdly, probably of most of the signings, probably the one with the most sort of back catalogue of, yeah, trust me, this guy is going to be the goods. Fortunately for him, he had a banger in him every so often to quiet people down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just, it'd give you just enough to Havis go. has had that in the league. Every so often, he has a moment that just tells you, this is a very techie guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I, or still, his goal against um, Newcastle in stoppage time is one of my favourite goals of the last couple of years, just killing it dead from the lob and just placing it in the way he does I love finishes like that Jared Bowen was robbed by the way for goal of the season I didn't think he was even nominated at first and they give it to Matoma goal of the month goal of the month yeah sorry <laughs> carried away yeah. I was calling for Bowen to be goal of the season <laughs> yeah uh, I thought they might give it to Matoma so. I don't I don't rate goals like that where you're telling me he's dribbled through a load of guys and a lot of it is you just running in a straight line it's why I thought his one was one of the better examples of that though I'm still I think a lot of them. The I know sun, you're about to say the sun the one. S- I think that one, yeah, that one is a lot more. Here's a quick guy who can run with the ball. Whereas Matoma, I thought, was a lot more sort of weaving in between. Yeah, I thought there were some better ones that month. Then I thought, you know, almost like a carbon copy of that Shardo one for Brentford, you know, almost the same as brought him into my draft team. Nice. Yeah, the first goal bypasses him. And he actually did a good job tactically in. I don't want to be like United fans who are praising Anthony post-game for working hard. I think a lot of what we were doing is we were sticking Havertz and he was pressing onto Casemiro and saying, you ain't going box to box. You can build from here and you're going no further than that. And other than the assist he gets later in the game, well, that would have been an assist that Havertz is off the pitch for. 
you don't really see Casemiro doing too much creatively. So he, he did a job there, but for 65 million, I want more than a guy sticking on to stop their 80 million guy. <laughs> yeah, hardly Casemiro's usual, is it? You're not seeing him getting on the ball and spraying passes, being the playmaker too much. Well, I think because he was he was dropping in between the centre-backs and so we were saying, you can stay up here, but you're coming no it's further definitely, than that. Even if they get into a spot where um, Casemiro and Amrabat are playing, they're not players who are going to want any sort of pressure on them because they're not going to just turn on the ball and make you look silly. So more and more teams are going to just try and press them back into the stand Well, basically force back to Onana and let him try and pick a pass. Weird question to ask, maybe in the context of what the other manager does post-game. Is there a chance Arteta is protecting him too much in the media? Can it be a thing where it gets a bit much when you're saying, believe me, this guy is going to be good. Trust me about this guy. Is it almost better not answer these questions, say, you know, he has to do the same as everyone else. He's going to be doing the same as everyone else. I don't want him throwing uh, him under the bus. I thought last week he he said, you know, he did a lot of very good things. He played this pass backwards. That isn't what we do here. And so he'll learn that in time. This week he couldn't do that again. And I thought the analogy is odd. <laughs> He's used it before, to be honest. He T- is so happy with it Tuchel well. used the analogy about Havertz. Who did? Tuchel. Blimey. He said this guy does something to managers. He said something like he he was praising Havertz. He said that Havertz approached him after a training session and asked if one of the coaches could stay behind to ask him practice finishing. And he said, "You've been doing this since you were six years old. You know how to finish. You don't need me to do this for you. It's the same as you can only ask a girl out to dinner so many times. Eventually." You know how you know how to ask. It was some weird analogy <laughs> like that. The the press were he laughing. He says he's managed yeah. to do a spin. Clearly. Yeah, I saw some Spurs some Spurs accounts trying to uh, go in on Arteta using the word conquer, like it's not a Spanish uh, terminology. But Jesus, yeah. Um, to answer your your original question, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I forgot the two call one, and then I'd see yeah. it again this week. Uh, he probably has. It comes across like someone protesting it too much a little bit to me so maybe it does to the player more importantly I didn't have doth in the locker when I was going to use the phrase so. yeah. <laughs> but then on the flip side if he stops now does that then look like he is giving up on habits so if they question him and then he just starts saying no no just got to be like the rest of them is that giving up on him I don't know it might be a, a bad sign because Arteta clearly does love him I don't know if I came on here before and said who all the players said Arteta's favourite player was previously? I remember. Nicolas Pepe. Lacazette did an interview and... But he didn't play it. So he was basically talking about how people say that and he was saying that couldn't be like Arteta loves him basically and doing this and this and this. And he was effectively... Loves him around the place, just doesn't want to play He was it. effectively saying Arteta can't do any more with him and I don't know if we're going to be at a stage where... I don't know. You have to do a bit for yourself at some point. Sounds like Lacky had a point. Hopefully we're not there yet. Yeah, I think he had a medical at Besiktas today, they're saying. Right. Yeah, not great. Arsenal, defensively, other than one moment, did look like their usual selves with Gabriel and Zinchenko back in the back line. Gabriel hadn't started a game up until now. I didn't really think he'd missed a beat. He defended well against Anthony in particular. Maybe that was half of the Zinchenko thing. They were like, don't worry about it. I've got 
this guy. I don't really need the help. I'll Isn't slide Jenko across, not slide giving a type interview about Anthony? No, I sent you that ass. It's not even that, yeah, I did see it. That was... <laughs> it was... Um, we played high. It worked well, I thought. And it was... Why, did, why are we not doing this sooner? Does it play into the theory that... Look, there was never an issue. As soon as Zinchenko came back in the team, Gabriel was always coming back in. Or did it was like... His hand's been forced. Because I was quite sure Kivior was going to be the one starting. Really? Okay. I thought it can't just be what I'm being told. Like there must be more to it. And so I, I didn't think it was tactical. I still think it's odd if it is tactical. Because I don't think, I don't look at them and go, well, if Zinchenko's now, I'm not, I can't play Gabriel. I just don't, I don't see that it's a must. We've spoken before about how fast he is. It doesn't seem to me like he can't play wide. No. It, yeah, very weird. I, I think if Party had been fit, I think there's every chance he still leaves Party at right back and Ben White in the middle, so... You you spoke about a comment, and I saw someone else reference this, that Arteta, when I saw it referenced by someone else, I'm not seeing the quote, I, I don't like watching the build-up, that he indicated the party was going to be in midfield was how I saw others referencing it, which means Havertz maybe wouldn't have been in there, or maybe Eddie wasn't going to be in there. It's really, it was really hard to tell, but he made a point of saying it. They said, basically, they just the journalist just puts to him, oh, Thomas Party's injured. That must be a bit of a blow. Usual sort of question. And he said, yeah, yeah, he would have been playing today. Uh, I think, but I think he's talking about, as in like past Arsenal Man United games. And he goes, and he did play in a different position. And he makes a point of saying it. And does he, so, but obviously the question there, does he mean different from last year? I.e. I'm going to be playing him at right back again. Yeah. Or do you mean different as in, okay, I've done that right back thing, I'm going to put him <laughs> yeah. back in the midfield. I really couldn't get a gauge on it, but he did, again, he made a point of saying it. Just because he's, because he stopped him and said it, I thought he was probably doubling down on saying he's going to play him right back again, in my mind. I think we go back to that system against Everton, by the way, so I'm not sure where we're at. Is Party going to be back? No, I think he'll probably do a, vari- a variant of it. And Does well, Gabriel stay in? I think he might try Tommy Asu doing it on the right-hand side. Goodness and we me. will try. I think I think his end game is against shit teams and our record at Goodison. I don't think we've won there in like eight years. I think he wants both fullbacks inverting. I think he wants Declan Rice pulling in between the two centre backs, and that's how he's going to play it. Okay. With Party and Zinchenko, it may look a lot different to it being Tommy Asu and yes, Zinchenko. Yeah. But I think that is it. Made me Timber. He did it with Timber and Zinchenko. Um, Timber and. Ben White, he did a, a variant of it basically in pre-season. Makes sense with the right personnel. Yeah, Hoyland was Hoyland good or was he just better than Martial? <laughs> it's a good point. Anyone would have at least occupied the defenders a bit better than Martial, probably. But no, I thought I thought he was very good. I thought there's real reasons for optimism for United fans for just from him, not necessarily much else coming out of that game, but. Yeah, at the very least, it looks like he's going to be a handful. Had Gabriel pretty shook quite early on. Looked like, well, looked like he made Gabriel think, I've got to make a challenge here. And yeah. over overthought it, either trying to be too aggressive. Because he he didn't really know how to handle him quite, quite well. And you'd have thought Gabriel's seen that type of player before. Well, that was, in, in the moment, it definitely did feel like that. And then I watched it back, and because I saw these Hoyland comps that were coming out after, they had to have something to cling to. <laughs> I do think the, the the job, as I saw it referred to, that he did on Gabriel was was overstated. He, he beat the man once, ultimately, in all the times they went up against each other. I didn't think it was like 
he had Gabriel on toast or anything. I think in you could easily see those same clips repurposed if it's Darwin Nunes does that and it's he's running at the same man every time and he's not beating him basically and you would see you know this striker didn't get a shot on goal all game I think Martial did him a favour with seeing that before and that after because Martial did really nothing again you get a replay of him every so often Christ he's he's playing still there yeah 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 he I think Neville made a good point partway through where he was like United for so long have had either a big striker or a quick striker and he does look like he is both of them yeah absolutely the he played one game so I'm not going to go overboard either way but the big thing as Nicholas Jackson has found out is being asked to go from uh, being called a handful for defenders to a bagsman basically yeah and United the pressure that's there Ultimately, if Rashford's not scoring goals, no one's scoring goals. So you better get in there and chip a few in. It's true. But then on the flip side to that, there isn't that much pressure to be better than Martial. No. You, you know, the, the striker role has been a problem for them for a while. Hence why people sort of make out, well, Rashford's best off the left, isn't he? I don't think there's any debate over that. He's having to go for the <laughs> middle at times because they don't have other people. So just by him being, if he's semi-decent, that frees up Rashford to play his usual role. You've got at least a threat for the middle. And then eventually they'll come to some sort of arrangement on that right-hand side, yeah. which is a problem, whether you're playing Anthony or Sancho or whatever. Yeah, it might go, that's a problem for yeah, them. It might go harder. Yeah, that. it's not going to... Oh, sorry. The only thing, the only question, Hoyden, the only thing he didn't show us was a finish. We didn't get into a position to see what his finishing is like. We'll see it over time. But if you look at everything else, he's had one, well, a couple of runs in behind where he thought showed genuine pace. A couple of times where he's either won ahead or held off Gabriel to hold the ball up. And then obviously set up the guy and actually goal is disallowed. It's a nice flick That's to really show nice, some link really nice. as well, which probably shows a touch that maybe coming in, we didn't necessarily know if this guy had because he was built as big, strong, powerful, but quick as well. But to show that sort of technique, shows he's got plenty in the locker. There's a lot of raw ingredients to work with at United. Yeah, I do think in the league, there might not be a tougher partnership to go up against than Gabriel and Saliba at the Emirates. Largely because people can have the debates with Man City's defence. It's not one that I can really argue given the success that they've had. But I think it's so difficult to actually get at their centre-backs. I think think you can have far more of a duel with our partnership and that's what you're going to get. I think You You aren't going to get a situation at City where he's... And I know John Stones doesn't always play centre-half, but he's not going to be batting John Stones individually. That is not going to allow it to happen. Also, Arsenal... The Arsenal centre-halves are probably the most difficult for a physical player like him because they're both strong and quick. It's, you don't Gabriel have gets at you and then you get behind and Saliba is yeah. pulling around on the other yeah, side. It's just exactly. ridiculous. Saliba, I thought yesterday, was... Yeah, he was mustard, wasn't he? Insane. Um, the VAR decisions, let's go through them. The the Saka foul into a booking or a red, as some were calling it, Saka gets fouled, follows through in a challenge, studs are raised, and it's into Bruno's foot. Did you think this was anything more than a booking? No, no, I thought they got the right decision. Was there ever a fear that there was going to (laughs) be? Yeah, a little bit. I thought they might. I thought they might. Because as soon as it seems to depend what day of the week you get with the studs (laughs) up thing, because sometimes people start shitting themselves and go, well, studs up, it's got to be a red. And other times you can get halfway up the leg and I'll go, well, 
you know, the game's gone soft, so it's always hard to get a gauge. When they do what looks like like the official replay, when you get the VAR booth replay, it's like, what? get this replay <laughs> off. Because there was a couple that they kind of built up. There's a check on here, and Drury would just go, ah, oh, check complete. Yeah. yeah like, Could you maybe tell us that before, Pete? It's like Peter knew like 10 seconds before. Yeah. The uh, I've got a ridiculous thing as well where, if I know a VAR check's going, I'll go mad at the players. Keep the ball in the pitch. Keep the ball on the pitch. Like they're not going to go back to it. Like we've not shown that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, there used to be a thing on FIFA that if it had gone to advantage and you thought your guy might get booked, then just get to half time because you're not going to get booked. <laughs> Lindelof scrambles to stop Eddie going through. Boot goes into Eddie's head. Booking or anything more than that? I didn't actually clock that during, during the game, you know. You and best believe I was screaming for I it. I saw a thing after. No, again, I think on both of those, like both instances where I like to see that some actual common sense has been played here. I, sometimes in a challenge, studs are going to go up and you've got to play why, what, what actually happened in the challenge. Don't just treat it as a blanket, studs up. We've got to give something. And same with, this is going to sound a bit mad, but if you kick someone in the head, if you put a, a, a high boot, there are there's high boots and then there's high boots. Head leaning down. And yeah. Eddie's he's not a big guy. No. Do you do you think if Eddie stays down, anything goes differently? There's an argument. Yeah, yeah. That's, he could probably try and milk. I don't think they would have, but on a different day, different officials potentially. With Eddie's call up to the England squad, do you think this is? a serious call-up that he can possibly have a future in the squad. I'm not asking if you think he's going to displace Harry Kane. Or is it, Tony's out, let's have a look at you. Is it perhaps, I I can't think of the right word. Is it symbolic in, you know, you're the record scorer for the 21s, this feels the right thing to do. Or do you think this is a real, well, let's have a look. Can you see a world in which at the next international tournament, Eddie Nketiah is in the squad? I think it's very possible. Um, I would say if he can have a decent enough season for Arsenal, even like Tony would have to come back and ball out from this ban because I think there is something to the image of an England player and someone being banned and playing. I don't agree with that because look, it's, I think it's a slightly ridiculous ban. I'm betting it's betting. He hasn't, you know, committed a crime here. But there is something to the image of the England player that I think Southgate probably upholds. And if this guy isn't going to play, largely, the striker, the backup striker of the Hurricane isn't going to get a lot of minutes if he's fit, then you probably go with Nketiah, who doesn't have that the story of the ban lingering over him, and he's a young player. And I think the point about Southgate probably does want a clear line of, if you do well at the under-21s, I'll pick you. I think he's always probably wanted that. Probably is, a legacy of him being a former under-21s manager. Is there any world in which there can be one space left and he takes over Callum Wilson? Yeah, yeah. I don't mainly know if, if Callum Wilson keeps uh, coming on and playing shit. Yeah, is is there is there anything to Eddie and Ketia cannot play like Harry Kane, but none of our Harry can't really. Tony is definitely the closest in, in terms of that. Yeah. If if we're if we're used to having a centre, I just forward, think Gareth hasn't shown much appetite to pick Tony. No, and I disagree with that, but he hasn't. If if we're used to having a centre forward that does drop in and supports forward there, Eddie isn't going to be spraying a pass wide, but he actually does more of what we're asking Kane to do. Really, we're not asking Kane to drop in and play as a central midfielder. We're asking him to drop in, play in fact, the one we're willing touch, him to stop doing that at times and bomb on. And so he maybe offers that, or maybe someone like Wilson gets him more because 
they are very much meet and drink centre forward. I absolutely think it's on the table for Nketiah to get a place in that. I think this season... Does he need another injury for Jesus? Yeah, but common sense says you probably might get one. You might not like to hear that, but... Well, to, to <laughs> at least in his once. career, he's been all right. This is the same injury that apparently they, you know, they don't clean it out properly or something and I don't know how, the technical... But you've also got a situation where yeah, that Arsenal was the first time he's been a regular starter. Yeah, I was about so. to, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I thought... But you look at those list of names behind Harry Kane, if Nketiah has a good year and Arsenal have a good year, it probably is a natural choice. If Wilson can't displace Isaac... So you've got in that mix at the moment, Wilson, Tony, Ollie Watkins? Yeah, yeah. And Ollie Watkins looks like he's sort of regressed to the mean a little bit, certainly in terms of the goals output. From my FPL team. Where once upon that. a time you had Calvert-Lewin knocking about, obviously that doesn't look good. Bamford's gone. Yeah. So there are places up for grabs in that role. That was scary with Bamford. <laughs> he just got, he needed that one goal to hit a milestone and then was like, nope. Yeah. He definitely had a conversation with someone. What was it? It was like the 50th, was it? Or 100th? Was it 100th goal of his career? Maybe. Maybe. He probably wore a t-shirt under his shirt one game or something and the well, football gods were like, nope. Did he get it and get injured celebrating it? Or was that just a, a random goal that he got injured celebrating? When you, you might out. be right. You might be mm. right. Um, how about him and, uh, like, uh, someone should film like him and Calvert-Lewin uh, Calvert going to a pub and just discussing <laughs> their woes like, where it all went wrong. The Havertz penalty that's overruled Drives between Wambasaka and Casemiro. He's a judge to have manipulated the contact himself. I don't even disagree with that notion. No, I think he definitely did. But to overrule it after giving it is insane. It uh, it It's not a clear and obvious error, which is the same issue I had this time last season at Old Trafford. Yeah, I, I never in a million years thought they'd overturn it once they'd given it. I thought it was questionable giving it. But once it was given, I was amazed they overturned it. Just as a rule of thumb, they don't do it. Even look, even Neville put that to Mike Dean afterwards, <laughs> where he said, "Look, the rule has tended to be you don't overturn." But it's them. happened to us before. It's happened to us against Leeds in the behind closed doors season, where it happened to Saka, and they said he was taken out, but he wasn't taken down enough, basically. Right. And we score like thirty seconds later, but it's it's still a thing because United fans feel that everyone is kind of having them on with this. If that happens to Rashford at Old Trafford, that is not overturned. No, no one thinks that's overturned. No, no, not and we all saw the penalty they got last week hmm. where he does the exact same thing. He manipulates the contact himself. He goes down and usually we get to this position and they say they're checking was there contact. And as soon as they see contact, they go, oh, well, they can't really... The Sabozlai one is the same thing. I mean, yeah. It's his. It, it just makes no sense. And if they had done a thing where they said at the start of the weekend we've had a bad couple of weeks we're putting our foot down now this ain't going to happen anymore but I won't, I won't, you won't see that again for the rest of the season it just it just doesn't happen no. because the, one they don't un- want to undermine the guy on the field and I have the reasoning as to why they're able to overturn it which makes some level of sense supposedly Anthony Taylor has been very descript in what he's seen and he very specifically says that he's seen Wan-Bissaka trip Havertz. So once they play it back and they say, actually, Wan-Bissaka doesn't trip Havertz, they have cause to say, you must have seen this incorrectly. Go and take a look, yeah. That isn't what happened. And that makes sense, but I just, it 
we're not going to see it again. I, I can be more calm about it now because we've won the game. I couldn't concentrate for like the next 15 minutes of the game because I thought <laughs> we've been jobbed. It's just, and we may well have missed a penalty. Havertz may have stepped up to take it. Oh God. That could have, that moment could have just ruined Havertz's career. That could have been the thing that was going to turn him around. Well, I mean, he's statistically the best penalty taker in our squad. I can believe it. The, uh, the whole point of, he was looking for a penalty was because he definitely didn't want a shot on goal. <laughs> He's going, I ain't going through and having a shot, thank you. But then they're all looking for penalties. Martinelli's criticised widely in the first three minutes because he isn't looking for yeah, a penalty. <laughs> the, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe Gary Neville when he said, and Martinelli's known to go down as well. Is that a thing? Is that a thing with I knew you'd people? pick up on that. <laughs> I, just, if that's a, I don't know. It's, it's, well, I remember I asking know. the question when Gerard was calling Saka out, basically saying, take them nails in your leg later in life. I was like, do people think he's a dog? Like, I don't know if this is a thing. With Martinelli, I don't know if I've heard that. When he goes down, he stays down. Would never say that. He, you think he's done his ACL every week. But it's never usually one that he's gone down softly. If, if we've uh, criticised him before for staying on his feet. Yeah, I don't know if- if he's known as a diver, I think probably any attacking player with a bit of flair is probably seen <laughs> yeah. as a diver, uh, rightly or wrongly. But the Havertz one, I don't know if you watched Match of the Day too. there was an angle on there that actually made me think it was more of a nailed-on penalty than it was when I was showing it in the game. There, there was like a reverse angle where you see him quite clearly, there's two points of contact, and one of them is across his body from Casemiro, and the other one is into the side of his knee, I think, from Wan-Bissaka. It shouldn't knock him down, but I just want consistency. If if that was never going to be a thing, fair, but it's just it doesn't feel like that. Is, that is how it goes. No, again, I've said it about a few decisions this year that if that is the stat becomes the standard, I don't mind that because I thought there was a bit more contact than there was. I haven't watched about fucking hundred replays, um, so I I lean towards it not being a penalty. But again, it is like. And whether this is because we've seen some really soft penalties given already this year or what, but I, I think it's a if the ref gives it okay. I don't. I'm not crying blue murder about it. That's what if I he doesn't, issue, and he? therefore don't overturn whatever he's done. But if there's going to be a higher threshold for penalties, which I've said a long time there should be than a regular foul, and if they are going to go, I don't care about undermining you. If I don't think it's a penalty, we're going to tell you to go and take a look at it. Then that's fine. But I just. I don't really buy that they're going to do that. No, because I also get the point you've made before, and I think you made it yesterday, where, okay, you said they made a mistake last week, so should they make the same mistake this week? Because yeah, that's how it should work. Like but the Rashford one, if if we always work back from that, then it feels like... I mean, there's a buzz, I'd be definitely want that. I mean, that yeah, it, it feels like they made a lot, any of, contact. a lot of mistakes for the same club. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. how that idiot at the end of the game can come out and say well we don't get penalties I kind of almost admire the straight face thank thank God Klopp did that interview several years back where he had the stats didn't he and he said the amount of penalties that they were getting at Old Trafford and I think or he may have raised it and someone else did the investigation Rafa tried giving you the facts people just (laughs) didn't want to hear it from Rafa I saw people putting Ten Hag's face on Rafa's body post game yesterday (laughs) saying that was what we were seeing they had a similar goatee around that time the Hoyland's penalty appeal charges down the right flank, locks arms with Gabriel, Saliba sweeps up. Did you, in real time or upon a replay, think that this was a penalty? No, this was um, 
if on match of the day you had a load of highlights, that wouldn't make the cut. No. Because it, I just, at the time, I don't think anyone really thought it was. Hoyland doesn't even appeal. No. Bruno Fernandes doesn't appeal. No, I didn't hear any <laughs> anything from the comments from the players. So I think it was, if you didn't have the controversy earlier, then this wouldn't be a story, I don't think. The goal disallowed for Garnacho, and this is where the game really spices up. We've got like 10, just 15 insane minutes. Bruno makes, a, to be honest, a great tackle from Jesus in their own half. Ball gets played into halfway, which I think is intended for Casemiro, but Hoyland slows it down, sets up a nice flick, and then Casemiro plays in Garnacho. And it says a lot about the short career that he's had so far. I had no doubt that he was going to score. It's clutch, wasn't it? In in that area, yeah, in clutch moments, he is cash money. He yeah. is fair play to him. United have got one in, in that sense because you get told constantly that you can't teach that. You can teach the finish, but you can't teach the composure in the big moments. That He slows down at precisely the right time. The finish, he doesn't smash it. He doesn't get excited. He doesn't try to do something uh, clever, like put it back the near post to try and trick the keeper or something. Just does everything you're supposed to do in that moment. Yeah. And it's like if you've played FIFA enough, you can get in a certain position. <laughs> you hit R1 and circle, you know you're scoring before you even hit it. Garnacho plays it like that. It's it's ridiculous for someone that I don't know if it's the defensive work or what why he isn't starting over Anthony, but he seems far more like someone that I'm going to put my time into than the other way around. I think he's still been a player who's proven better off the bench than he has a starter so far. But, but I you, would you probably... can't get to the stage of being the better starter until they do that because that yeah. that burdened Martinelli for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think when you get a player with a certain amount of talent, you've kind of just got to keep playing him and, and try and see what happens, especially when I don't think Anthony's giving you much. I thought he was okay yesterday, Anthony, but just okay. Well, that's what, when it's one of his better games and you come off and you're like, nothing really happened. Did you do anything? Yeah. Then- they they did a good highlight thing on match of the day about yeah. not getting the balls in, which I thought was probably a fair point. Is it also your teammates don't respect you at that stage? Yeah. It's, if your teammates, they would rather wait to play a pass into Rashford than play it to you and hope that you get it to someone else. Yeah, there's probably something to that. Because and also... Even if there are not some players in the league, when they eventually get it to him and he's offside, and because he's been lazy, he's too busy moaning that he's not trapped back in. Well, that was the only part of the highlights where, you know, they would... It was genius in that way. Yeah, and he kind it? of said, oh, look, so, he's been waiting five minutes. So. Yeah, and saying like, oh, I feel, feel terrible for him. It's like, Maguire had nothing on, absolutely nothing, and had to play that ball up the line. Make sure you're onside. Don't be walking back because you've been whinging and moaning. And he points that you should be on side there and at least offer, being able to offer him something. I can point you to Saka and Martinelli in the same game. I can point you to Salah. I can point you to whoever you want in any of these top-level attacks. They make the same run 150 times a game in the hope that it comes off three times. Yeah, and yeah. if you're being lazy in that one instance, look at the... Let's go back to that goal again. The burst that Jared Bowen puts in for that goal that he scores the other week on a hope and a prayer that that ball gets to him. And you're the only pass on and you can't show yourself available for the ball. If if I was Ten Hag, that'd be enough for me to say, I've given you plenty of time. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're going to talk about the Sancho thing. You can be as unprofessional as you want. When that guy's starting ahead of you every week, you have to say, I feel I can offer more. The issue is, he's actually not shown that. No. No, that's it. When that goal went in, I was I was still wound up from the penalty. So I didn't even really like <laughs> shout or anything. 
my brother's a United fan and he was downstairs like I'm just don't be coming near me basically kept sending my nephew up after goals to try and rub in at one nil. He came back up for one, one. He didn't really get what was going on. I don't think <laughs> he was like, it's one, one. I said, like, oh, no, brilliant. I know I'm having a great time. Two, one. I heard the door go in and I said, don't. He's four for context. <laughs> he came in. I said, just don't. He said, what do you mean? I was like, just don't. Went downstairs, very confused. Post game, I was able to say, look, apologies. <laughs> I tried saying, is there like a TV show that you're really into? And he was like, nah. He said, no, I'm four. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, not good. And then after that, the sheer dejection that I was seeing, and I, I've, I've seen people that were at the game saying, several of those United players, the, there's hardly any of them in the celebration. They're giving it to the fans instead. Bruno apparently was doing, he was doing the halfway line. He was giving it to the fans oh, right no. the way up. And so, when we get when we get the winner, I think that's why they go as men. It's, it's a long celebration for after yeah, yeah, <laughs> after yeah. our winner, and I think several of them are giving it back to uh, to a couple of them. But to say, Anana was giving it to the home fans after the first goal, as you should just take it back. That's why Ramsdale does a knee slide in front of the away fans when uh, <laughs> when we get the winner. But that offside, the first view of it, I thought it's on, it's onside. And yeah. I- my, before they'd even done a replay, I thought God actually had to run past the man to get the ball. So I thought it was when they were saying because they start talking about it, the commentators before you see the replay. Don't yeah. They? So it's going to be very close. I was like, okay, I must be wrong then. Yeah. yeah and then what? I'm not sure. I didn't even get my hopes up in that moment. I was like, and I saw the replay. I was like, no. And then I was like, my sight ain't good anyway. <laughs> I was. I usually just go on an instinct. Does that look? I thought it looked like he timed it pretty perfectly to me. I've seen it back in slow motion countless times today. And just from looking on Twitter, I know it wasn't so much Garnacho that you were impressed with in this situation, but actually uh, the reintegrated Gabriel Magalosh. Well, look, I mean, if it comes off as it does with this, then you kind of got to praise it. We'd have all been slandering him if it had gone wrong because we'd be going, well, you've got to drop and follow him. So when it does go right, you've kind of got to tip your hat. It's... We're talking centimeters here, and this entire podcast, the conversation would be going differently. Well, they're saying that if he, he does, if the goal does stand, they're saying that he looks to Saliba, who Saliba goes to run back and then freezes up, and so saying that Gabriel must have clocked Saliba doing it, and in half a second, that's, that's what happens when you've got your partnership in there. I saw you compare it, and to, you say uh, Klopp would be looking Maybe. at it because we used to speak about it on here. Yeah, White dream for him that that you would play a high line and you would also just have the most ridiculous offside trap known to man and Gabriel the, it sounds ridiculous but even just the shaping of his body in that split second is just insane when it's then by that fine margin the, the Michael so Jackson good. clip up yeah it, he must the pat on the back he's going to be getting from the analytics guys after the game oh yeah because that is obviously something you work on and it's a uh... Look, not from your perspective. It is a bit of a shame that the goal didn't stand just in terms of it was a well-worked goal. It was a very well-worked goal. In terms of winning the ball, ping into the striker, he plays it back in the pass. In you know, If you did it on the training ground, you'd be happy. So to do it in a game against Arsenal... There's, there's footage of them trying it the week before against Forest mm. and they can't. So it's obviously a drilled move. And that's why you know, I say some of this stuff with... I think it was Arsenal forcing them to play a certain way. But then other parts of it is obviously drilled. Like we are going to be 
I said they had to be harder to beat than they have been in the first few games. They did that. And then we're gonna hit you, we're gonna soak up some pressure, hit you on the counter, and we've got players who can do it. And that was them working it perfectly. Well they've been playing this way against us for about fifteen years. It just so happens that previously they had Rooney Ronaldo Tevez on the break and <laughs> after that they had the likes of Nanny and whoever like Vamp. But there's this just There's also good. that where I would draw the distinction between a counter-attacking style and a hanging in there sort of style. And that's what this can become a little bit, where it's a little bit like, a little bit of hanging on for dear life. Certainly in that first half, it was like, these two teams, there's like levels between them. In that first half, you're looking at it going, I think United, as a club and as a fan base, think they're, at the very least, knocking on the door of being next to Arsenal. And if something can overtake it. And you're looking at that going, they're not even close. There's a, there's a chasm between them. Now, I will say in the second half, I thought getting to around sort of 70 minutes, I thought Arsenal had sort of run out of ideas a little bit and you'd have gone, well, in that case, it's kind of played to perfection by United because they've done that thing of hang in there, hang in there. These guys are either going to get physically tired or just lack a bit of concentration and now we're going to hit them with the uh, with the killer near the end. And that's it nearly came off. And again, if it's centimetres different, we're probably discussing, was it a Ten Hag masterclass or were they lucky? That's probably the nature of the pod. And we're going, where the hell do Arsenal go from here? So it's yeah, fine think, margins. I think 65 to 80-ish, they looked like they were controlling the game better than us. And I think as we got towards the last 10, I think they were happier to take the point than we were. And if the opening came, then the opening came. And yeah. they did get the opening. I, I, I saw a lot of people saying that you know, offsides shouldn't be ruled like that. And this, I've seen that it was released today. The Chilwell goal against Liverpool was closer than this one. And I so, thought that was onside. <laughs> and so it, it, this isn't like... When I watched it, I was looking at the replay that Chilwell, I still think that's onside. Yeah, they have changed it slightly this season. So the, the line's not even close to touching when you see the really zoomed in version right. of this. And then... Ten Hag has managed. I mean, he's managed to spin it a dream. Well, he talked fans. about a different angle. I don't know what the angle was that he was looking for. Well, so I didn't think this was behind, was it? Well, no. I think he. I think he Maybe believes he believes that they freeze frame it and then they do it like that and they take the best freeze frame and they work it out from there. They've got over thirty-five cameras in the ground and they use the multiple cameras and that's how they work out the depth and they literally have computerized systems now. It's not someone physically drawing lines to do it. So are we not basically almost automated off so they brought in the technology from the World Cup but not quite the technology from the World Cup. That seems a bit yeah weird. And I think from next season that's how they're gonna do it. I think they're trying to justify keeping some people's jobs basically. Yeah, sounds like it. Seems like they do some of the work but not all of the work but there's only so much you can read on that. The hilarious thing about that, all that happens is you say the word automated and people start swallowing it and going, okay, rather than this is basically going to be the same situation. Yeah. Uh, but people... Yeah, after that point, I thought, please now, this would be so beautiful. Give them that taste of it and then smack it out of their mouth. That kind of is the perfect way to win, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Saka, I mean, it is a sick freak after the game and he says... We'd happily just win like this every week. We, we, <laughs> they were like, do you prefer this or a 5 nil?" He was like, we prefer this. Like, like, I don't doubt you do, but the rest of us... Um, I was looking at him thinking, you sure? Yeah. I thought Reese Nelson, Tommy Asu and Vieira all made an impact when they were brought off the bench. Meanwhile, on, on the other hand, Hoyland makes an impact, obviously, but Maguire being introduced to applause, by the way, 
from the Arsenal fans. That's not a great sign, is it? <laughs> After the butcher was the the butcher just said, "I don't fancy this anymore." He's not so injured. no mass. He's not injured. They, they they they've already come out. He 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 has no injury. He just I thought it looked like a quit, but <laughs> it was the most blatant of quits. And then look, a United fan told me today that Lindelof was feeling unwell pre-game. You've got to see out them last ten minutes. Johnny Evans can't be coming on for you. With not when Maguire's there next to him. And then the, and then. We gave Ten Hag credit, whether too much or not, we've debated from the FA Cup semi last year when he just went long. Why are you asking Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans to play out from the back? Yeah. I understand you don't want to just keep giving it back to us, but you're giving it back to us anyway, just in a better position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy. They looked terrified every time they picked up the ball as well. Gabriel, so, they haven't had any game time. Gabriel Jesus rocked my world when he <laughs> came on. This is the most box office player in the Premier League. That's such an outrageous claim. Just what? Take the goals out. I don't of even it. know if he's your most box office player. Take take the goals out of it. <laughs> take the goals out of it. In a in a week what? when I've seen Chelsea fans use the phrase "winning bias," <laughs> I'm saying this is insane. Do you ever used? To, I don't know. Um, when they first brought in the arena on FIFA, do you remember that? When you're yeah. on the loading screen? Yeah, yeah. If you just have to watch a player just kick a ball around on there like that, just Gabriel Jesus, just give him a couple of dummies to be swiveling around. Him and that like right channel yesterday, taking the ball down, standing defenders up, it helped. Evans and Maguire were making him look good. Yeah, certainly did help. Him, when he's just enjoying playing football, is just... I might dial back slightly. Oh, that's good of you. <laughs> slightly. He's in the conversation for the... Mo- I know what I mean when I say that. Well, that's good. You can I, say that. I, I'm realising that to other people... <laughs> let me rephrase it. I think he's one of the most fun players okay. to watch in the league. And hopefully... I'm sure I'm going to get messages from people having not heard that asterisk yet. I think he's one of the most fun players to watch in the league. And yesterday he was having fun, which is so much better. We weren't chasing the game. It was a short period of time. He was against players that were making it look good. He was just... Finished like he had no doubt, which is pretty impressive considering I had a lot of doubts. Saka missed that big chance already, which I was just convinced was offside and then wasn't. And then suddenly, (laughs) suddenly I felt... Yeah. horrible about it I didn't really have enough time to feel bad Neville I actually thought that was a good save by Anana as well as much as Saka right has to put it anywhere else to yeah. score I thought the adjustment he makes a bit weird but putting the leg down like he did I actually thought was a really nice save I thought other than that he's, his shop stopping is questionable I do think Neville quite correctly refers to some poor delivery on our corner kicks prior and boy am I glad that he does he he was you know if I'm hearing that must have been said, don't say <laughs> yeah. it Gary don't say it we kept saying didn't he and I don't like agreeing with the man in this phase of the game they need to get the ball to Erdegaard wherever he is because he's the guy that's going to make something happen yeah. he has the shot which I thought he just blazed over I see them say corner and it's yeah I thought he'd just blazed cool. over as yeah. well mm. <laughs> if this is what we're doing I haven't seen it back so I know if there was a deflection but I'm sure if it wasn't you you'd have heard about it somehow <laughs> I could have added that to the list when <laughs> yeah. it came out ball comes in goes to the back post like they were clearly all intended but Martinelli not a great day on corners for him not been a great season on corners for him mm. 
Saka with this one. I think Declan Rice says he controls it with his chin. And then basically, <laughs> the United players just say, blow the whistle then. <laughs> I don't know why they aren't charging out to the man. No, like you could, <laughs> and I don't think it's a foul on Johnny Evans, but you can explain no. why he's held up because he's in a tussle. But there's two players behind him who just stand there. And at that stage, you're more of a hazard to the keeper than anything. You're both in his way and, as happened, you're going to deflect one in. There's two words that you only hear in one sentence. And that sentence is, and that's the problem with zonal marking. <laughs> and they're seeing that all over You can smell the lager <laughs> as you're saying that. Um, I think pound for pound celebration wise, there might not have been anyone better to do that than Declan Rice because he was in, he was in going through his repertoire. As didn't... soon as it fell to Declan Rice, I was like, oh, he's definitely scoring. <laughs> not out of any belief in Declan Rice's shooting ability, just because like he's someone who you do feel like has scripts kind of written for him and that was kind of it. Him at Arsenal, getting that goal. Low drive, near post. Johnny Evans, after all that, still is the, it's the one to deflect it in, which is could have gone against us, I fear. We're can't catch a break, this guy. See, Dermot Gallagher, I don't... Not not often uh, I'll criticise that man. I, I still won't hear. He said, if anything, it's a penalty. It's not a foul on Johnny Evans. If anything, Johnny Evans is fouling Gabriel Magalhaes for a penalty. Nice. VAR, I've just told ESPN, there was almost nothing to look at. There's like nothing in it. It's just two players just doing what they're doing in yeah. the box. Yeah. I still needed to hear that when they were apparently looking at it after the goal. If you watch this celebration back, Saka just runs and jumps in the front row. It's an old man in the front row. <laughs> the old man ends up lifting him up like dirty dancing style. <laughs> and there's a video and Saka's just hovering above the crowd. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, everyone, it seems if you score, Saliba's just going to smack you in the back of the head every yeah. single time. It's oh, almost not worth it. I was going mental. I... I was doing laps of the upstairs. I just needed to do... I was, samurai kicked the door closed. <laughs> it was just... Me started crying because it was too loud, but two United fans downstairs to make it sweeter. Oh, this is what it's all about. You had it last weekend. I did. We get it this weekend. No better way to win. It just makes it... All worth it. Oh, I'll, I'll echo what Saka said. I'll take something like that every time. Oh, you, uh, afterwards. Your ticket, yeah. might, uh, your ticket might not last, but... They they kept saying, this is why they paid the big money for Declan Rice, which I strongly disagree with. Yes, <laughs> that is not what they... <laughs> but, this, but this is a bonus. When you spent £105 million on this guy, you thought maybe he'll hit a deflected goal that they should have got out to. West Ham fans not happy with Jury's commentary, by the way. Well, it was a bit questionable. Gonna for life. <laughs> yeah, that is a little bit... I mean, I guess he means as a result of this, he's always going to be uh, a gunner. But yeah, that kind of ignores everything that's gone previous. <laughs> yeah. Um, Having said that, though, they're probably really annoyed with Declan Rice, who has kind of jumped in with both feet to the Arsenal thing, <laughs> yeah. and they probably feel that he's forgotten them a little bit. Yeah, I, I was thinking singing North London forever. I think was the turning point for them. That's a banger. It was forever blowing bubbles is a banger. That was- rendition of North London forever yesterday was. Pumping pre-game and as well. To begin with, we had Mike Dean talk. He's like, maybe just shut him up, <laughs> yeah. and we can hear whatever nonsense he's got to talk after we get that. Because that's Rogan, a bit of a buzz. Rogan tries talking over um, Sinead O'Connor at UFC 189 when McGregor's walking out, and Goldberg has to tell him like, "Stop, shut up, fly me." I was then convinced we'd concede. 
you got a lot of problems. Yeah, Rashford, Rashford. You were calling for obstruction of the keeper when it was the United players <laughs> who were in front of the keeper. Rashford, I was calling for offside, and I thought, hang on, there's players on the line. <laughs> it's just been a corner. Can there be one? Rashford bottles a 50-50. Vieira. Not like Rashford. Vieira's final ball. If 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 he could just be a little bit bigger, then we got we got a player on our hands. But Jesus is not the man I'm sold on there, as we said. Sells Dalo for a cart of hot dogs. Yeah, yeah, he's still and then strokes it home like he. Just, I do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's him sliding off the pitch and it slots it past the keeper like he has never missed a chance in his life. Did you see um, that edit that someone recreate? Recreated the never ending slide tackle one with the da, 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 yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. in like the in space. <laughs> so good. Vieira now has two assists and one penalty one in 45 minutes of football this season. Thank going. He also only two players at Arsenal have more assists than him in all comps since he joined the club. That is he's a, he's a walking, talking final ball when he's on. It's just there's a lot of other issues getting him there. Yeah, yeah, remember the when we had Wolves right before the World Cup last year when we were struggling to break them down he had that little chip over the keeper that uh, Erdegaard banked home I think he gets two that game were United too negative then in hindsight or perfect game plan just didn't get the final result yeah it's hard to be too critical because yeah a very very close offside decision um, that, that, that close to probably winning I don't think maybe Arsenal would have nicked a goal back who knows but probably wouldn't so and then we would have been saying they got it just about right were you running around your house when Declan Rice scored or or not I was at least on my feet when Darwin scored last week so I feel like you kind of owed it oh sorry Uh, at least on your feet I hope I was definitely yeah I was definitely hyped because yeah a late winner either way is always good look I was I don't like them but I there was something about the Garnaccio one because there's something about going away from home and sort of the dagger. Well, um, Ben might you don't deserve the win. I don't. Think, I think Arsenal probably deserve the win, and then you you nick the goal. There's something about that. I feel like if I'm it had been any other club, I feel like I'm looking at you differently. No, after you, if it had been any other that. club, I could have got hyped, but I was. <laughs> I can confirm, just very bitter. But uh, did ask Conor Harmer to come on. Did tell me he's getting a haircut this evening. So uh, that was good pre-planning. He thought I'm not risking it. Yeah, last bit on this game spent longer than I even I thought we would. Ten Hag's comments. Sancho has called Ten Hag's claim that he was left out of United's squad to face Arsenal due to poor performances in training completely untrue, which is good of him, to be fair. <laughs> Ten Hag said, Jaden was on his Jaden was on his performance on training. We didn't select him. You have to reach the level every day at Manchester United. You can make choices in the front line, so in this game he wasn't selected. Sancho tweeted and told people not to believe everything you read before suggesting he'd been made a scapegoat for a long time. He said, I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. Uh, It's not fair. All I want to do is play football with a smile on my face and contribute to the team. I respect all decisions made by the coaching staff. I'll continue to fight for this badge no matter what. Sounds like you're going to respect it. Uh, The thing that's confused me, and I remember having the same stats when it was Aubameyang going back and forth with um, Arteta. We, I don't know why people think the player doesn't have a right of reply. Whether you agree with it or not, people saying, I can't believe Sancho's come out and said this. I'm not saying it's well advised. But, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, but, you might have played yourself though. But yeah, if the manager's going to dig you out in public, then I think you can 
say what he's saying is untrue in public. I, I heard Simon Jordan say that he doesn't think Ten Hag's necessarily wrong to call out Sancho if that's what he believes. But you also have to be sure that he respects your authority enough to take it lying down. Clearly, Sancho doesn't respect him like that, and now you've just opened up a whole thing because it's going to play out in the media. Yeah, and you've done it just after the window's closed, so you can't shop him. And just after a loss. Just yeah. Does he say that if, if they win? Tricky, but then, look, he's being asked why Sancho isn't playing. Other than saying he's injured, and Sancho would probably come out and say, I'm not injured, what are you talking about? Is there a better answer he can give? This seems like the most... I feel like even there's there's even ways of saying this. Yeah. Like, so we're, like so Smith Rowe hasn't been in the squad before, and Artes has just said we pick the best players that we think are there to win us the game on this occasion. He'll have the same opportunities as everyone else, whether you believe that or not. He said it's that a bit with, more of a flat bat response, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than Hag was a little bit. He was batting on hundred after the after the game yesterday. He was just. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the journal got him at just the right time, but I don't know. But then the flip side to that is. Ten Hag can tell you, I didn't think you trained well this week. And Sancho can say, I thought I trained fine. But it, the manager, ultimately, it's it's a bit of a get-out. But he can say, well, you didn't train how, how I wanted you to. Sancho's had this three or four times in his career before. He had it at Dortmund. Mm. And, he's, and he had it where he didn't turn up on time for England training. He's yeah, had yeah. it multiple times before. Ten Hag, unfortunately, and, uh, Arteta had this for a while. And if you win games, then you come out on the right side of it. Ten Hag wouldn't have got away with the Ronaldo one, wouldn't have got away with the Rashford one. The Rashford one, we said at the time, backfire when you have to bring him on to win the game still. <laughs> yeah. But say they go off a cliff, then they're saying, well, you have Ronaldo, he was scoring goals, why did you get rid of him? Yeah. Arteta had the same. If you now aren't winning games, then people say you can't manage big personalities. Yeah. I wanted to bring up, because I saw it again yesterday, I don't know if you ever saw the David Neres quote talking about his time with uh, Ten Hag. No. He said, he's complaining basically. He said, Ten Hag once complained about my hairstyle. <laughs> I told him to take care of his own hair and I'll take care of mine. <laughs> Fuck's sake. He put me on the bench for the next two matches. Yeah, probably that'll do it. <laughs> next two matches in place he comes back in though. So there you go. Almost forgiven eventually. Well, I saw, I think it was uh, Jim White said that actually, um, Ten Hag might have been doing it to get a reaction out of Sancho and now that Sancho's given a bit back he's going to really appreciate it and that's definitely not how that's going to play out yeah the the only thing is is there is a bit of a thing of these players are soft and can't take criticism well he's bitten back so if you can't take that then maybe you can't take criticism either it's a it's a two way street I I say, if you're a manager, you've got to make sure that everyone in that squad respects you enough that you can get away with this. Because the the other side is, if he's got sort of allies in that group, then they're going to go, hang on, you just pissed off my mate. And yeah. People said the first thing you get taught at Man United is how to use the notes app on your phone and just kind of play again. Ten Hag I was did- told he'd got rid of that culture. I obviously <laughs> not. Ten Hag did after the game complain that they used the wrong angles, angles for the offside. United should have had penalties in all of their games so far, that Hoyland should have had a penalty, that, that Arsenal's goal shouldn't have stood, that Havertz should have been booked for diving. The man, I think, was just chucking shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> We've not seen a head loss like that from a manager that isn't Jurgen Klopp, to be fair, <laughs> in quite a while. He's in a weekly at one point. Yeah, but look, 
they've just lost a close game to Arsenal. He's got to come up with something. He can't. Yeah, what, nine games now without a win against the top six away from home? Yeah, it's a bad... It's a bad... I'm not sure any other manager is getting away with that in the same way that he is. Mm. He got third, though, so... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think you probably can, but barely. But they played, like, 28 in their last four against... Liverpool went a long way in that, and so did Man City. We've chipped in a little bit, but... Yeah. Yeah. But I'm All just right. thinking... Other clubs have gone through some pretty horrible streaks. Yeah. Probably with more credit in the bank already, though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Let's move on to the Saturday night football. A hat-trick from teenage striker Edwin Ferguson's handed Brighton and Hove Albion a dominant 3-1 win over a struggling Newcastle side. I'm glad they haven't hyped Evan Ferguson too soon. The male today only compared him to a combination of Shearer, Haaland and Christian Vieri <laughs> I didn't see the breakdown I like the Christian Vieri has been brought into it yeah it's nice Newcastle started trying to press aggressively and then very quickly Brighton said you sure you want to do that yeah odd wasn't it because it kind of felt like Newcastle ended up getting caught between stars as a result Eddie Howe spoke pre-game about the conflict of being adaptive to the team you're playing, but also being true to your own style. And it did seem like he got confused in that because they essentially did what Brighton wanted them to do with no cutting edge to keep them honest. Because if you'd watched it last season, you'd have been pretty confident what this game looks like in terms of how Newcastle and Brighton are going to look. And this one, Brighton turned up and did their bit. And it was Newcastle, you thought, I wonder what you're trying to do here. They basically said to him pre-game, West Ham had so much success last week without the ball. Surely you'll try and do the same this week. And he was like, uh. whereas United, uh, Newcastle's midfield is like perfectly placed to do that with probably, I was going to say less quality on the wings, but certainly less quality in terms of finishing on the wings, but more quality in the middle of the park. They yeah. just didn't really do that. Maybe they thought that Brighton would be too aware of that. Maybe Brighton knew that Newcastle would be too honest in that sense. And it seemed like Brighton turned up and said, we're not going to be discouraged. And I think they made more of a point of doing what they do because of what happened the week before. This week, it worked out perfectly. Evan Ferguson, the second goal tells you the mood he was in. The first and the third maybe say, well, the third particularly says, when is your day? It's your day. Yeah, absolutely. It feels a weird thing to describe it as like a bit of a breakout game from bearing in mind we've all been aware of Evan Ferguson and, and what he can do for a while, but bearing in mind, obviously, they don't always start him even. No. This was, I thought, probably a bit of a statement game for him where you kind of look at it and go, and then he didn't look back. So the injury to Inciso, I think, is assured that, yeah, Pedro will play behind the striker yeah. and then it's given Ferguson more minutes up top. Welbeck not had the best of starts of the season and you never really know with his fitness. Might finally be being put out to pasture. <laughs> Deserby loves him, though. All managers that have had Welbeck love Welbeck. In fairness, yeah. If, if you keep him fit for a striker at Brighton, that's he's a useful option. And then when you've got brain farts from Nick Pope and Trippier throughout the game, that's not doing you any favours either. No, it kind of, it was either a symptom of a bit of a lack of confidence or it was creating more of a lack of confidence as a result. Obviously they had a few errors against us as well. So there's a few things slipping in now. Yeah. And then for a team that was 
as good as it was last year, it was largely based on its organisation and, and being hard to beat. I wonder if with they brought in obviously some more quality, whether you end up getting caught in a bit of a transition of being a team that's hardworking, hard to beat, well-organised, well-drilled to all of those things, but you want to play a bit more. I wonder if on the journey you do sort of start coming unstuck a bit because you kind of end up falling between identities. I think it's as much the players they've brought in, they've brought in with an ideology. And so Sven Botman goes down, usually very reliable. Hmm. Dan Byrne, he loves Dan Byrne, so he's going to keep him in there. They shift Dan Byrne to left centre-back. Horrendous. (laughs) And then you brought in two players for like 60 million plus that can play left-back. And you're essentially saying they're too inexperienced to be chucked straight in there. And so you're left with Matt Target there, who you didn't deem to be good enough to play ahead of what, Emil Kraft last season? Yeah, or you would frequently put Dan Byrne there. Yeah, so. so that happens. And Lewis Hall, maybe he isn't the type of left-back you want for that game, but maybe that's an opportunity where you say, Trippier, you put him in there, well, but then I'm pretty sure they want to trip here against uh, Matoma. So the- Lewis Hall was thrown in the deep end with Chelsea as well. So yeah. it's not like he's not got any experience of that. No. And it's it- Brighton. I mean, Brighton are a really good team, but you're not going like, right, uh, unfortunate, we've got a game at the burner bar, we're going to throw you in. It's not, you know. Yeah, and but- I don't... It still feels disrespectful to Solly March in that I don't want to say you're only up there with Solly March, but Solly March does the basics very well. I don't think you're in there with someone like, you ain't going to get spun inside out and you're not going to be doing all sorts of things. If it's the opposite flank, to you. Uh, yeah, but Tom, you so might go, why, that's a tough gig. That's why, I, that's why because at first I was going to suggest we'll swap Trippier to left back and but play Livermento right back, but you ain't going to do that, no. No, so, if, if you, Solly March is a really good player who's in obviously from last season into this one, great form. But if you can't play Solly March, then you're probably not going to be good enough for Newcastle. Because they're no. you know, what, supposed to be a top four Premier League team is what they're going to be aiming for. So you, you kind of got to be up to the standard. They're going to be playing Champions League football. The ways they've gone down in the last two games, is that concerning to you? I thought this one was more concerning. I thought Liverpool one you can kind of call a bit of a freak if you want. Even the Man City one, we said they kind of gave up. I thought it was disappointing how they didn't turn up for the City one, yeah, because I thought they were really going to give them a game. And yeah, they they quit before it started almost. Yeah, so this one in the City one, you are right. I thought once they went behind, it really was like, okay, I don't think this is going to happen. The Liverpool one, I think you can treat it as a bit of a freak result. I won't recommend it often. I would suggest going and listening to the clips of uh, Callum Wilson talking about that Liverpool game because I do think you'll enjoy them. I saw one of them. And uh, him saying they'll never fight anything like it. And yeah, just sat there in silence. Yeah, and- that was it. <laughs> We've got so many of those. I love those those clips. They're so good. I saw I saw one of them trying to beat. That's almost better than like winning a trophy or something. Seeing people <laughs> shook to their boots. There's one um, him trying to beat Fantonio this week, saying about the same amount of goals, and then answering like, how many minutes you played this season? Twenty minutes was it? Twenty minutes all in? And he's doing uh, Callum Wilson trying to say oh, that was you last season. And he's like. Oh. No, it's this season. <laughs> yeah. Just la- just laughing at him. So, you if know, you're, if you're lucky, you get on the pitch next week, mate. Yeah, some of that stuff is pretty fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, two active players. That seem mad. Probably get away with it when it's each other, though, can't they? It's yeah. When it's when it extends. So, when someone like Paqueta gets a stray shot because Antonio's chucked one at Callum Wilson. Yeah, that's, that's when. when it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Billy Gilmore, say it quietly. Starting to look like the player Chelsea 
thought they had but didn't have the patience to persist with. Look, more like him some time. But. Yeah, he he basically ran this game. Uh, same as he ran the game against Liverpool, the one the one good game <laughs> I've seen for him uh, previously. No, it's a very Italian-looking midfield that Deserbi has. He do, he gets his technicians in there, but he's got with with the hood in there now with Gross in. They have enough bites, I would say, because Gilmore, he's little, isn't he? But yeah, very. He he can muck in enough. And they've yeah. got about just a, just enough in there, but I think ultimately all over the pitch, the way they're going, they are just going to try and overwhelm you with technicians, a lighter version of 08 Arsenal. Just get everyone on the pitch that can play ball, and we'll just see how far it takes us. Yeah, Mitoma. Towards the end of last season, I was starting to get a bit okay. Were we a bit hot on you too soon? Every time he has a bad game, someone reminds us like the guy's twenty six. He isn't like he isn't a young player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People think but, of him as like know, 21. Yeah, we know that players do um, like mature differently. But even like um, Kvaratskhelia, I think he has like two goals since March. And people have just kind of realised that all of a sudden that yeah, we yeah, were caught yeah. like 200 million from what we were talking about in the summer. It's very interesting. He, look, he looked good again. Trippier is one of the toughest outs that you can have in the league. And he was shook. The one that he passes out straight away from the back that they were lucky they didn't get punished from. Yeah, Pedro, there's a player everyone goes big on at the start of every season, every year, and he doesn't look the star in that in that team so far. Rotation option mainly, which we weren't expecting. I was. I, d- I didn't quite see what people were seeing in well, I think we, Seattle, Pedro. I think we thought that when Brighton spent 30 million on you, they yeah. often spend money, and so that's the way it was going to be done. Yeah. Newcastle were talking about him as well, and I was just like, "That is just my brother not, was all in." I just don't. He got pump faked by uh, Fabrizio. Here we go. That wasn't. Yeah, he looks a good player for Watford. There's quite a gap between that. And, no, yeah, squad player is probably what I thought for Brighton. He can rotate. They've got options there. So the fact that Fatty isn't a shoe in for this team does show you the levels of not only Brighton but the Premier League. And where Fatty's for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you perhaps have more context for the Villa performance now that we've seen more of them? So Newcastle beating Villa on the opening day felt huge at the time. All of a sudden doesn't quite look what it did. No, this you know, you talk about maybe Newcastle having a bit of quit. I thought they did against us pretty quick. I thought I'm gonna ask you about them in just a second. Second season, Unai. Run out of ambition. They it's a weird one where in the games they look bad in, they look like there's no plan. They haven't been well drilled. We know obviously at Arsenal they kind of often look like there was no plan. There seemed to be nothing for us. And when you look at the personnel they've got, they've got things that should be able to trouble us, particularly with no Van Dyke at the back. And there was just there's just nothing really. There's no real intent. Brentford. The, press, the press was half assed. Yeah. Brentford at home next for Newcastle. Five thirty kickoff. Brentford at home. Yeah, okay. it's at St. James's. Yes. Then a trip to the San Zero. I'm going to put it out there nice and early. I, I don't know how bold this is or isn't. I'm just going by the initial reaction. I'm going to say that Newcastle do qualify second from their Champions League group. I've seen them. They were written off very quickly. I think they're, be- I think they're better than Dortmund and Milan. In hindsight, at the time, it, that looked a freakish group. It's still the a names. freakish group. Yeah, yeah. But I think... I think fourth... Is PSG the other team, right? Yeah. Fourth best in the Premier League, I think, is better than also runs in uh, yeah. Germany and Italy. Yeah. yeah. Win your home games, 
draw one of the away ones and you should be all right. But I, I think that's a, a good close group from top to bottom. I think PSG have obviously got some problems. Cl- when, when the draw came out, it was, well, enjoy this then, Newcastle. And then I thought about it overnight. And actually, yeah, well, I, I think people do operate almost exclusively on names, don't they? When Harvey Barnes comes into that side, Let's face not, it. not a great cameo for him again. No, I'm about to say, yeah, no, he's not serving your argument well so far. But you can normally rely on Dortmund to shit the bed. And it, even Chelsea beat them last year when they were going for like draw, yeah. draw spells. So. Sheffield away and Burnley at home for them after that. There, there's there's a clear room to get things back on track. Yeah. Questions for about Eddie Howe um, post-game. I don't know how soon you would jump on that. I, I said since he came in that Eddie Howe is the guy before the guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. know whether they believe that internally at Newcastle or, or, or not. Nagelsmann still on is still on the table. Yeah, yeah. So look, if they, I think they've got to take maximum points in those next three. Uh, not for him to keep his job, but just for conversation might start growing if they were to drop points any of those. Uh, well, I don't think they will. I think they'll probably be fine. I think he's the guy before the guy as well. But I think there's still plenty of time left to run on that. It's funny though that preseason predictions. A lot of people didn't have Newcastle in their top four. They beat Villa, and then, and then it was. Do you not think it's mad that? People actually didn't have Newcastle in their top four, and yeah. now it's you know it'd be a good season for Newcastle. Give Europe a good go, get top six. Changes very quickly. Mm. I don't think people expected you to look the way you do either. To be fair, so that that changes things. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Chelsea were cooking. <laughs> just then with wouldn't know what to think. Dan Byrne and Matt Target down the left side. Rough. Almiron was sloppy again. He's not started the season well. Barnes and Gordon. Both being right-footed left wingers makes perfect sense if you have a clear one and two. But you don't. When Almiron, I think we're all we're never going to be sure how good he is. <laughs> I think most of us look and say you paid forty-five million for one of those wingers and forty for the other. They're your best two wingers. Which one of you can shift right? Yeah. And I'm I'm always kind of rubbishing it when I, I hear that players can't do that because they've played. In this position their whole time they can't adapt to the other side I know it usually helps when it's younger when they're younger Gordon's not old Saka came through exclusively playing on the left and then he had Aubameyang playing on the left hand side because we had Lacazette still in the team Pepe was playing shit and we basically said if you want to be in the team you better play on the right hand side and he may have done it in, in the youth team but it's very different playing at senior level I have to believe that one of Gordon and Barnes at least for some time, can adapt their game to playing off the right-hand side. Mm. You've got Trippier down the right-hand side who plays incredibly wide, likes to bomb up the pitch. You can even start on the right-hand side and you can move inside. And I think Barnes would probably be the better one at doing that, cutting in on his left foot. But Eddie Howe, to this point, has a reluctance to do it. I've seen Newcastle fans say that the relationship that Eddie Howe has with Almiron is that he might be the undroppable guy in their team. But they're going to have to shift something around. I don't know who is and isn't going on the international break. I don't know if Gordon's still going with the 21s or whatever, if he's going to have to stick around. Harvey Barnes is obviously going to be around. They need to do something. I'm sure Eddie Howe is going to be telling them we're going to just keep doing the same thing, but he's going to have to be cooking something up because because of uh, the way they play, the characters they've got there. They've made a rod for their own back and they're a bit of a scalp for people and people enjoy seeing them lose now and that's never a position you want to be in. 
no, if you are that team, you've got to be very, very quality to be able to get over that. So they're in a, a difficult spot. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he's going to play Barnes and Gordon together in the same team almost ever. You know, maybe to end the game here or there, but even then, not really. <clears throat> so give one of them ninety then, if that's the case. Stop chopping and changing. It's not. Exactly the same, but it's not too distant from the Isaac Wilson situation. Now, I think there's a bit more of a clear one too there, but nonetheless, on Wilson, top of- Wilson's going to think he's a one at another club. Well, if chucking that mix, there are some people that say, well, we want Wilson in the team, so put Isaac on the left, and so then you've yeah. got Isaac in that pack so as well. Yeah, have a three of your uh, best players fighting for that one one shirt. Tricky. My, my brother sent me a text after the game that was I can't remember specifically what it was and I just did the usual it was like can't believe some people are saying this I said come on they're right I don't even remember what it was <laughs> I came back to my phone and it was like I had like a chunk I was like I can't believe it I didn't even really read <laughs> you got I was trying to eat my food here <laughs> something going on Newcastle will be fine it's just what is fine for them, basically. So Yeah, we said be- that exceeding expectations last year has now set a benchmark, especially for Howe, which might be his own undoing because he's up against pressure that he maybe shouldn't be at this stage. Liverpool beat Aston Villa 3-0 at Anfield on Sunday. Before we get on to Trent, who was the key talking point, your man Dobbs, Dom Sob, not sure I can make that a thing, Beauty for his first goal. Yeah, the technique to hit that on your left like that is nice. Was there a deflection or not? There is a I was looking def- for one, but I think there is a bit of a deflection, but I think it's heading for that corner anyway, so it's not too and again, the connection he makes on it is just perfect. Yeah, he's one the, the Twitter tacticos will put ball striking next to his name, so he <laughs> does have that in the locker. Well we saw it with the game against England as well, didn't we? Even if we didn't know anything else about him. But the reason people knew him really scoring bangers. Certainly, yeah. Were you surprised to see Darwin start? Not surprised. Pleased? Um, I I didn't think it was impossible that he would bench him again. I think I said last week it's, this could be the start of something or he could just bench him like he would normally. Uh, I think he. I think we said last week, right, I think he had to. I think mentally that was going to be really difficult if you then drop him again after such a high. And then he was back to doing his thing again, but he didn't did, score. <laughs> did all but score, yeah. Yeah, I... I joked saying he got an assist for the uh, second and I said, oh they actually did give him an assist for the second carrying yeah. it off the post <laughs> yeah yeah I watched most of the game they did give you some good coverage on match of the day could have scored about 10 yeah here. yeah could have got messy I'm questioning the whole metric of XG by the fact yours was less than 3 that shows either you're incredibly wasteful or someone just stopped calculating basically they gave up halfway through yeah Salah I thought was a bit greedy, but that's not really something new. I thought there were some others that He's, were looking to get on the board for the season and he could have done them a favour. The thing with him is as well, though, if he passes one and you miss, I'm having the next one. And it doesn't really matter what the good decision there is. <laughs> he's having the next one. So you see a lot of that. In his Players game. usually go to tell him, I can't believe you didn't pass. And then kind of, they'll do it like, come on, rather than Mane used to tell him, yeah. I saw the clip there. I forgot how mad that was where Mane is lost. Tell him right. what you say, uh, you're the coach or something. Tell him to pass to me, basically. Yeah, lost his Reich. Trent was swapping positions with Matip in possession. 
I thought I saw it watching the game. I was pleased to see them do uh, some analysis of it. Yeah, get a piece of match. Stephen Warnock uh, getting in his bag. It could have been, I thought, for any number of reasons. I thought it helps open the field up more for him, uh, open up like the passing lanes on both sides, disguise anything that he's really doing. And do you think it's as much that he's covered on both sides? It's like a QB that needs protecting in the pocket, give him more time on the ball, and you'll bank on the fact that you can reap more rewards from it. Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, a better idea than what we had been doing as well. Um, it's so hard to tell in that game though because their pressure was shocking. Yeah, they gave Trent sort of the freedom of the part and when you do that, he's, he's going to do what I he did. I was looking each time like, where is Ollie Watkins? Because yeah. usually he's a maniac at charging yeah. you down and I had the choice and neither um, banged in the end. I was going to say this last week of... Wisser or Watkins in my FPL side I had to bench one start one I thought Watkins loves playing Liverpool loves playing Liverpool no Van Dyke. you feel right he's going to love I didn't this. know Van Dyke was yeah. um, I'd, like I'd forgotten that, yeah, yeah. that he was out because they said Gomez mid-game and I was like what yeah. why the hell what the hell is he, what he doing there yeah I couldn't believe with, with that really just how inefficient he was he might need to get one I think he definitely does, but as a team, just as a whole, they just offered so little. It was, yeah, it's looking. You'd have looked as for surely in his in the attacking players' positions, right? We can get at these, and they showed no real ambition. And like I said, you give Trent the freedom of the park. He had, I mean, he looked unbelievable. But at the same time, yeah, there's one pass he played down the right flank. I think that was a joke. There was a couple early on where he's played around the corner. And you've got to learn your lesson. I, I say this as a team who doesn't really learn that <laughs> yeah. lesson, but if you're Villa, you've got to learn, right? We, that can't happen. The funny thing is, and I know why they were doing it, but all the Villa fans last season just basically saying, uh, and to think, people are warning us about Unai Emery. And he was like, at some stage, Good time. we're going to get there. But I mean, also, they smacked Burnley last week. I'm, I'm sure they'll. I don't know who they've got next. I'm sure they'll. They'll probably have Everton soon or something like you that. You can also be a bad Arsenal manager and a good Villa manager. Yeah, and that, I've said that, but it's just. I think he can galaxy brain it, and I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're left with a squad that would be. Look good enough on paper that the next manager is just fucked from the get go, but also one that looks incredibly good on paper and then you know, their own fans are saying no but he's not actually that good and we you have this with players sometimes like people have been saying it Luca Dini is like last what two three clubs <laughs> yeah, where yeah. everyone's saying he's the best of the rest outside of like City's left back and Liverpool's left back and then their own fans are going ah, no. no well when people were sort of pitching it as like a disaster for Everton losing I was like look, I know Everton are in dire straits but I don't think Luca Dini is going to be the, the difference maker at this stage yeah, whatever Rafa was doing then, Rafa could have got fifty million for him, and it would have been. You don't think he's worth sixty? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was a token inclusion by Klopp with Darwin? Like, should we expect this moving forward, or was it a case of as we've said, couldn't really drop him after last week? Couldn't really drop him. It's going to be interesting to see if he kind of uses the international break as a bit of a. Well. We did that, and I could put Gakpo back in. Because his interview after the game was interesting where he was talking about building relationships and you've got these big personalities out of the squad now that other players can flourish and that. I just never know if he's including Darwin in that. 
No, I don't think necessarily, no. I but think what I was- said about Pepe earlier, and you said he didn't play him, the way Klopp speaks about Darwin does not match up with what Klopp shows us with play- Darwin. Yeah, yeah it definitely seems like in his time he's talked about sort of his understanding of the position, definitely from a point of view of pressing and of the, sort of the defensive shape, which, you know, I imagine working in a Klopp team is very different to what he's done previously. And, I mean, he supposedly it's a lot better now although it still doesn't want to give an interview or whatever but it didn't speak like a lick of English just no. nothing and so I, I liked, do think it kind of had an effect I liked he, the quotes I saw from what he said about his conversation with Bielsa like it made perfect sense with what he was saying it didn't even sound that complicated about running behind the back of the second defender it seems yeah, yeah. like a thing that is quite obvious but seeing it in principle when you see it next to the goals that he scores against Newcastle and that lasted like a cool thing and that's why I think he may stick with this because of as much as he didn't get on the score sheet he calls Villa so many yeah, problems yeah. his runs he'll he keep making trick yeah he'll keep making that run all day uh, the the one miss you go you probably should score that the other one I think you don't really have a right to hit the bar and he hits the bar so he's always going to be that sort of guy but it's it's the payoff the, the one at the back post where he doesn't know whether to go with his foot or his leg and he just jumps with both. And <laughs> yeah, it looks a bit awkward. Yeah. It's, it's, but then it's it's a difficult chance because of the speed with which that comes across. But And then his flick on for Salah is perfect. So it's you're always going to have a little bit of a bit of good and bad with him. But he just creates so many problems just by his sheer presence alone. How positive are you about Liverpool right now? Because your fans have been going through it on the timeline, but from the outside looking in, it looks kind of rosy at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, Funny how it changes from half-time in that Newcastle game, because it was a disaster at that stage. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Fine margins, isn't it? And, you know, if we'd... With us and Chelsea in that first game, both came away with feeling optimistic. If one of us had nicked it, they'd probably go, oh, God, it's a disaster start. I mean, Chelsea definitely would feel that way now. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's fine margins. You, This is a team that's easy to get excited about. There's a lot of exciting players here, so... It's just going to be interesting if we have a couple of games where we come under the cosh to see how we respond to it. It's probably the only thing. You do worry that we could have a game where someone does a job on us, but as long as we can bounce back from that. As I said before, I've got it's the first probably time under club. I've got really no idea what the expectation should be for this team. Maybe it's because we've got a whole new midfield. I don't know, but previously you've kind of known, right, we're building towards being a top team. And then once we were there, you're like, right, well, it's fighting for the title. That is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, I've really no idea. And I think not to, uh, if you want to do our next beer swilling down the pub cliche, we'll probably have a better idea after like 10 games. What would you say about Villa now? Like, we can't put this all down to missing Tyrone Mings. I, I won't <laughs> have it be that. So I no. don't know what's going on. Because it's not like they've made seven changes to their starting lineup and we're saying it's cohesion or whatever I don't know what it is bear in mind it's a similar with Newcastle where when we've seen them sort of down tools it's a worry in terms of and also the main question mark over the two of them going in was how are they going to deal with European football well European football hasn't come in yet so we're, we're saying all this about them now what about when you've got midweek games coming in as, as well I don't think it's necessarily time for panic stations because I think when Villa have looked good this year they've look like the Villa of last year they've looked as good as ever but when they've been bad they've been really bad like you said we could have kicked them into touch when Chelsea can lose to Nottingham Forest and it isn't first on match of the day you know how far they have fallen as a team 
They were just a collection of great games. Yeah. Ahead of that was all. Anthony Alanger. What? <laughs> he's red hot. He does. Well, I'll go back and for however well or not well he does, I will reflect on the point of him running through at the Emirates. It's not Alanger. Oh, so honestly. <laughs> couldn't believe it. I, I still resent that any finish where the body's opened up it's a Thierry Henry finish and I heard that on it's so egregious. at the time and then saw the finish and was like that's a nice finish Robert Sanchez should maybe do better with it I saw Thiago Silva giving him a, a piece after it but the lovely finish by him and he, he spoke very well after the game as well he said I wasn't really given the chance to develop at Man United I've come in here do my best and hopefully turn what I do here into starts and then we go from there yeah, and again, another like composed finish. Like he had no doubts. <laughs> like, and he does obviously that another one where he does that bit of skill on the pitch, which is great. Oh, he he just looks electric every time he picks the ball up as well. What I like about him is that's what he's like when he came through United. When he got that goal against Dortmund, is it Dortmund? Uh, Atletico in the Champions yes. League. Yeah, yeah. It was like he's obviously going to kick on, and then whoever it was just got sick of him at the time. Was it? It's um. The thing is, United fans did say, look, he's good. He's just not good enough for us. I thought it was almost... And they kind of clung on to this guy for too long, but it was almost like Lingard-esque, where it's like, look, this is a really good player, but he's probably just not what we need. And I kind of... What I saw of Alanga probably thought I could understand how you come to that conclusion. But one, I think he would have been good to have around because I don't think their options are fantastic. But two, he already at Forest has looked better than maybe we gave him credit for. Now, maybe that's just, look, he's playing for Forest. It's easier to do it, but I, I don't know. He's, he's quicker than I thought, more direct than I thought. He's got a bit more about him than I probably gave him credit. How much better or not is he than Garnacho? I think the better question would be how much better an option could he be than Anthony? Because yeah. I think yeah. even if he's not technically good, he's got a bit more pace and raw directness that might fit their style better than than Anthony constantly cutting inside. I think Garnacho probably gives you everything Alanga does and maybe a bit more. So The issue with know. Anthony is that I believe Ten Hag recognises that it's as much as fa- a failure for him as Anthony oh, when it doesn't work. Yeah, so. he's... Hence why I think it's such a t- Sancho thing. Sancho would have every right to go, well, hang on, he's not done anything more than me. No. But the problem is, Jaden, you've both been shit. That's not a, that's not a good comp-, comp for you. And like you said, he's... Ten Hag's guy, so he's always going to ride with him. Just because I, I, I know you rate him, I'm not even sure I know the answer to this. Where does Reese Nelson fit into the Garnacho Alanga conversation? Uh, at the bottom, but he could do what Alanga's doing, I think. If you give him a loan spell at a club, that's why I kind of I was interested he- to see if he got the Brighton move or whatever, because I think, and maybe this is why I asked to keep hold of him, I think he could be a player where you look at and go, oh, he's doing something here that I maybe didn't know he could do or couldn't do for a consistent period of time. Some Something interesting, and him and Sancho are going to be compared for the rest of their lives because they came through together and they, they were the two guys. Reese Nelson very much had the um, reputation, and not unfairly, as the uh, kind of lethargic winger that was maybe more techie, but he wasn't direct, he wasn't urgent. And since he came into the team last season, he plays with an urgency that I don't think you can play with for 90 minutes. But he plays like every possession, like it is the last possession of the game. And 
so many wingers clearly have that and if they can just add that to their game I don't think it gets you a starting berth and I think how well he plays is only going to keep him on the bench to be honest but I thought he was I think first time we've seen him this season and he was red hot coming on every time he got the ball getting down the flank and Wan-Bissaka is not an easy out in, no. in the league I I said to you when Reese Nelson signed that contract said I like it for the club I don't like it for yeah. the player I I'd like to see him get some first-team football somewhere. Next season, I think we might play him enough this season that we have a conversation at the end of this yeah, one. Yeah, say. probably. Um, you could be a really good player, but just not display Saka Martinelli. That's yeah. probably what is the is the outcome for him. Nicholas Jackson, four games now, one goal against Luton. Is it enough to be busy? You're leading the line for Chelsea. People have given you a lot of praise early on for making runs. People don't like to be wrong. And unfortunately, a lot of people have gone out to bat for you. Yeah. I heard them say they had Merson doing the game on Soccer Saturday, which was a gruelling listen, by the way. What's it, <laughs> What's his name again, the Scottish one? Uh, Chris Boyd, they have oh, on there, isn't fuck it? me. Unbear- <laughs> unbearable. Unbearable, bloody. It's He kept trying to make the same joke the entire time. What was he? He kept... Whenever Mercer said about Chelsea, you get going, do you think I'll finish top half? Wasn't funny the first 18 times. I know he gets clipped for the old firm like banter that he does on the broadcast, but Jesus, I wouldn't be watching that again. I didn't even have an hacker on. There was just nothing else on the TV. Damn shame they can't BT Sports score. Yeah, but then Savage and Savage, come on. Much. Although, get Jules Breach back in there. I think with Jackson, they've given him every opportunity now by not bringing in competition for him. Hmm. Broger really is his only competition. He's recovering from ACL. Yeah. You've got six months. They don't hang around at Chelsea. And I did notice Havertz perhaps didn't take advantage of it. Every time Havertz misses a chance, you see a clip of Nicholas Jackson saying, this is the guy we used to have to put up with and this is what we've got now. Didn't see Arsenal fans rising to the bait, but it would have aged very badly if they had because the miss Havertz has the next Maybe day. Maybe they knew. Yeah, soccer setup. I heard the, the miss. When I saw it, I couldn't believe how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. It's, as soon as he goes to like stab it like he does, you know, right, this is, <laughs> this is going over. Poor guy. Rough. I mean, other moments- After Sterling does great work as well, so yeah. it makes it... That always makes it worse, doesn't it? When someone does something great and then you fuck up the finish. Other moments just to tick off. Cause I it, mean, realistically it, yeah. for Nicholas Jackson, you knew he was doomed the moment Jack said, I feel confident the goals will come. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I timestamped that on that part. I said, let's remember this. Jack said about a Chelsea striker, the goals will come. All right, some other moments. It, it is very warm. <laughs> Pick for the own goal. And then um, weird faces after the double save at the end. Is that just everything about Pickford in one game? Yeah, like the swagger sort of off the pitch. Like he's the absolute dogs. Drawing with Sheffield United partly because of an own goal of you. Not his fault, albeit the own goal. I'm always slightly amazed more of those don't happen to keepers actually. But still, so it was a perfect Pickford game, wasn't it? It's funny because... His luck for that goal, but then also does it pull out an unbelievable double save, triple save, as they were keen to say. Whenever he dives and misses the ball, whether he should have got it or not, it's just because his arms were small, basically. <laughs> Unfortunately, you got to hold that. Wasn't a... F- it 
looked like it was going to be a fun game and then I don't know if it looked like it was going to be a fun game. I think it I thought like- it would, but it didn't even feel that tense. Like I thought it was going to have that feel to it, and then Again. start of the game, it felt like it. End of the game, it felt like it, and then it was very passive in the middle. I think both realised probably a draw is okay. Again, from the neutral point of view, you want someone to win because you want the head loss. Of, I don't know because you ever lost that. You go, oh fuck, we're done. I don't know if a draw is okay there for Sheffield. Um, and where else are they picking up points? Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, home against Everton is. I don't know, but by the way, something hasn't really been talked about. Of the promoted teams, they look the best equipped. Yeah, because, yeah. And when coming into this season, we had almost no one picked Burnley to go down whether the company effect or whatever. And people, maybe out of courtesy, but we're going, well, Luton might, as we said, might be better than yeah. you think. Nobody said that about Sheffield. So by default, they kind of became the whipping boys, sold their best player, Sander Berger. There was kind of a feeling that the club had accepted, we'll come up, we'll take the parachute payments. I saw their own fans say it on the overlap, saying we'll take the parachute payments and go down. And he said, like, I just feel so like fuming and gutted. And then all the fans were like, Jesus, you only just come up, mate. And he was, yeah, he's like, well, yeah, we've not shown any ambition. And I do think they've shown something in each of their games where they could have got something out of the game, even the City game. So they've, they've given you something. I can't, there was a pundit this weekend. I can't think who it was. I'm itching to give it to Richard Keyes, but I don't think it was him. There was one of them and I just saw the like graphic on my timeline. And it was just like, I'm living with Luton now. And it was just basically how terrible they are. And he was like, I'm fuming with this. I'm fuming now I've seen them. And they, I mean, they, they weren't good. Yeah, Sheffield getting beaten by an individual error at the back against City puts you in good stead. That's why I feel like Everton, Forest, we all think they're going to be in and amongst that mix. They've got, what, six points on the board? Yeah. You don't want to get too far behind with some of these and they may feel... Look, that, that late goal against Sheffield, that's probably huge for both of their fortunes. They may feel like, you know, keep in touch with Everton, keep in touch with Luton and then we'll see who else is, is around us. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. I, I feel you kind of got to take those wins where you can. It's like... Even you had to get that point at City when you had it. Like what... You obviously have no right to get and the stats will tell you City should win that game a hundred times out of a hundred. But once you get to one all that yeah. late, you've got to see that at a point. Like I said, that people praised it because it was all oh, look at Carl Walker making up for his earlier mistake. That fullback should never let him get that ball. He's no. a second favourite to that. Like should never let that back in. It's schoolboy. It's kind of like the 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 position as to where we are like last season and it's the other end of the pitch. I was looking at the games against you, I was looking at the games against Spurs United and saying have to win these because historically we, we ain't going to win at your places yeah. and so if we want to be in and around you we have to get those points off you to save you getting them back against us because when they get to Goodison weird things happen there I'm, yeah. I'm resigned to them beating us under the lights next weekend but uh, by a fortnight isn't it crossed I'm resigned to that happening and I think I can see them getting a, a win against Sheffield there or I'd back Everton to get enough dodgy ones off other people than I would Sheffield who perhaps haven't had to do that in recent times. It feels weird that you kind of say about Everton, you're going to have to bury them because they've just done this enough yeah. times, they've dug it out late on. What's what, you really three games in and people are going, this might be the year. <laughs> I mean, they do look particularly abysmal, but they're at least creating some chances and Beto looks a handful. Yeah, least. but he also got Nick Jackson where, come on, we picked you up against after game against Doncaster. Yeah, when he I looks the- like a player who's going to do a lot, but I don't know how many individual goals he's going to get. 
but his link-up play is good. He'll get what, others into that's, it. There was a stat coming into this season that he had, it was something like the most miscontrolled first touches in the whole of Europe. <laughs> and then I saw that he was supposed to be the link-up guy. This can't be right. Bouncing off him. Literally. He's looked all right so far. The uh... Well, the, the, the basis in the article was Dutch don't need him to do that. Just get in and around the box. Put your uh, weight in. Okay, go be a goal scorer. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. The, yeah, I just think... I've been surprised at Sheffield half about... I think if they can keep a sort of a structure, keep it organised, and then try and get something out of... Archer look like he's got something. And that... Uh, I'm assuming it's Hamer, but he's Brazilian, so I always wonder if that's Hammer or, Hammer I think, or something. I think it is Hammer. Because Hammer seems yeah. too uh, obvious. But those two, if they can basically keep a well-structured team behind them... Those two can cook something up in enough games. They I don't want to be able to nick the points. I don't want to play them in a Monday night football. Yeah, yeah. They've got some up for someone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I Mainly because I thought they'd be abysmal. I've been slightly surprised. Uh, big Angie's boys, free-flowing, open at the back a bit, but didn't matter against Burnley, to be honest. So No, no. They looked... I was really impressed with them against Bournemouth. As part from anything, you can pretty easily compare and contrast our performance with theirs. And I know we end up going down to 10 men, but they dominated that game and controlled it. Then this one, they did the same. Madison, I mean, started running the show. But a little bit like I would say about Villa allowing Trent to run the show. You look at Burnley and be like, if you're going to give Madison that time and space, then he's going to do that. It was, like His goal was like a really nice finish, but it's like on the training ground for him. He, he, there was no pressure on him. He was... If you give him the chance to pick his spot, he'll do it every time. I bet Spurs can't believe their luck getting a free run at him. And I, I can, can I can say now, and maybe the take will age well in time. It hasn't so far. I, I didn't think that he could be trusted as an eight in there, particularly in bigger games. So far, the way they've structured their midfield is that he's able to essentially do what we're asking of Havertz is mucking enough and yeah. and that works and he's he's doing enough he's getting on the ball in the right places he seemed to recover from whatever mysterious injury had him on crutches oh yeah 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 that was odd and he's yeah he's, he's just doing enough for the crutch he's, he's, he's cooking I, I don't like seeing Sun join in with his celebration because it is a cool celebration I, but apart from anything he doesn't get said about I don't think Madison does because he lets go and do it and yeah. he's like get out my way get yeah. away let me throw it and then you keep trying to uh, almost intercept him as he's doing it would would Son have got that hat trick if I hadn't said he was shot to bits again on Friday? I would argue you've extended his career a couple of years each time you've done I feel this. You, I feel you partially agreed on Friday. No, I, I think he's certainly last year, he was out of form for long enough that I was starting to, to wonder about this guy. Striker might be the might be the move. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And look, maybe solves two problems for Spurs in one. Might be his his Leicester game from last season though, which yeah, I, I wouldn't get too good away. Even, you know, all of the goals, most of the goals, you look at Burnley and go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Even like his first one, such a nice chip from Sun, but you give him the time to do yeah, that finish. Him and Solomon, He's yeah. going to do what he wants. The The best thing with Spurs is if they can keep Basuma and Sarboard out of this because they're offering such a base for Madison to work off. That hey, Poro not looking too bad either. And Poro looks magic again. Gary Neville's cursed him. He's got a bit of Trent about it where you I go do. he's going to do things like that but they're going to expose him because 
one of the goals where they get him one-on-one, it's just way too easy to get past him. I do wonder how his team is going to look and adapt when he has to um, keep it tight against someone. Because United, yeah. neither really did that. And they've got us in a couple of weeks. And I do think, certainly in the final third, they're set up in a way where they could match up quite nicely with us. I don't think they're going to try and dominate possession. I think they're going to try and nip in quick, go away. And then with Madison, Son in the final third, I think. Potentially in a game like that, look, on the counter, he can do damage. Madison could get lost in a game like that because he so could get that's overrun. why I'm very interested to see it. And I hopefully, um, international break, we've got hopefully do something good against Everton, fix up. And the last couple of years when we've played the North London derby at home, we've beat them off intensity as much as anything else. Mm. Um, that was the game that Conte just said they weren't going to press. Yeah, and then, yeah. then did that um, surrendering sub after 60 minutes. Yes. It's going to be very interesting, but I think... That's a fun game. Yeah, well, midfield-wise, they'll they'll fancy themselves matching up against us in there with Saar and uh, Basuma, where it's going to be Havertz and, and Odegaard in yeah. their party. We know it's going to be out. Maybe Jorginho comes in and we say we're going to play uh, play around you. It's going to be interesting, but I need to see them against us. I need to see them against City. I need to see them against you, really. A team where I think he'll have to acknowledge pre-game offensively we can't afford to just play pinball with you and then see how it plays out because from everything we know of him he's certainly an astute enough manager to know when to do that yeah. it's whether he has the personnel to do that and that's why it's going to be very interesting I think. us and them could be carnage absolutely yeah. carnage then he has Newcastle a good that's a nice one that's a styles. nice one um, midfield there could be a bloodbath in that game <laughs> yeah 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 Edward looks like a striker again big boy by the way everything one. I just said about Sheffield Consider the opposite for Burnley. They look <laughs> yeah. like they have no coaching on defending at all. I look, is a bright guy. We know this. I assume he was coming to this league going, I know I've got my sort of style of play, but we're coming up to the prow. I know I'm going to have to adapt. Yeah. And it looks like he's told them, go out, boys, go and play. And there's done no, even no sort of shape work, no defensive work. So pieces are horrible. I, I said when Concerning we, for them. I said when we did our manager rankings, and it wasn't an original point for me that we knew what his. Um, he, his style of play was and it was going to be interesting to see how he was going to do that because all of his principles don't really match up with what he was going to be able to do so far it looks exactly that and look let's he, face it when they've come up previously as well one for Burnley have been able to weaponise as being tough strong hard to beat as a result kind of with that the crowd kind of gets on top of you at Turf more it's kind of more difficult to do that if you're going to try and be a budget Man City it's- when when do we when do we get them playing uh Everton, because that could be unreal. Deitch coming back. Oh, yeah. You'd back Deitch to get a result against them as well. You'd back him to dig one out. The way they're playing, I was hoping it'd be close, but doesn't look it. Forest away. Oh, that's a big game. Then it looks like a Monday night football against United. Yeah, I don't think they've... 16th of December, they've got Everton at Turf Moor. No fun for us. That Coleosha looks like he's got a bit for them. Though. He did. He looks fun. He did, and I was hearing the name, and at first I was like, "Is that the ex-Liverpool one, Shea Yojo?" <laughs> I was like, "Can't be." And then I thought I was just mishearing his name, and then the fact they kept saying, "Yeah, yeah," 
the full the full fixture. I thought, okay, it's not not the same guy. Not much to say about Brentford's game other than Umbermo's touch against uh, Bournemouth. Just yeah, <laughs> unreal. That man is he's in his bag, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, Tony. Who? Yeah, he, look, we've been talking him up on the pod for a while, saying. You know, I said, I think they're lucky Tony gets the headlines because clubs should be in for him. He might be the whistleblower. Huh? He might be the whistleblower. (laughs) (laughs) He might snitch more. (laughs) Put some bets on himself and go. If something comes out about uh, Whistler, if we get out right, I'm looking at you and what's what's your problem? He was texting me to ask him to put some bets on. (laughs) West Ham slide past Luton. We've mentioned that. Tough end. I I, I don't know how it wasn't a penalty in stoppage time. James Ward-Prowse, have you seen that? James the handball. Like, yeah. What the hell? How is that not a penalty? Yeah, if you want to talk about lifting your arms. Yeah. Up. Yeah, odd. But, and then the, I mean, they didn't deserve anything from No, the comms, were, when they were saying, you know, they're still, still looking at this, you thought, okay, and then, I don't know what the I explanation they would give can it, be. Yeah, yeah, once they saw the replay. But your first game at home as a promoted team, I always think you've got to get something out of that. And that's and a dodgy, season for them ahead. Dodgy offside in the City game. Which what can you say about that when even Harland is saying, Yeah, I'd be fuming if that was if that was against us. Yeah. Are you kind of like they're gonna treat Marcus Silva like he's like this loose cannon who's going back. <laughs> I think he's got every right yeah. on this one, lads. Come on. Insane. I, I saw it I heard it at the time when they were saying about it. And then you always think it you picture it in your head and think, Can it be that bad? And you saw it and was like, What the fuck? I think we'd probably say this as people who largely hate the interfering with the keeper stuff because it's the worst rule I think you, because it's kind of anything vaguely like loosely seems to be right interfering with the keeper we've ruled it out this was the most blatant you're ever going to see having to jump out the way and uh, and they didn't give it off oh. I hated it already when they put the fear into me that Jorginho goal against Villa last year when I heard them saying they're just oh. checking this <laughs> if that had been ruled out uh, you I'd might have there and then I'd have killed someone <laughs> and then yeah Turn it on myself. <laughs> Lastly, we mentioned the boxing. Won't spend long on this because, as I say... You're about to collapse. <laughs> it's very warm. The heat strokes getting to you. Eubank pretty much battered Liam Smith. Mm. And there's only so many times you can say no excuses. But, but yeah, here's my list. And then, look, I'm not the one making excuses, but my family are the one making excuses. Anytime the opponent can come out after the fact and say, look, I respect that he didn't quit in there. <laughs> it's not the compliment that... It's a great it line, like, isn't it? Yeah. It's a great line from him. Yeah. I don't want to hear that you had to cut £42. One, why did you... Who made you cut £42? Where did they come from? Who <laughs> added these to me? It's so unfair. I saw... Someone put a picture saying how large he really should have been if he was really that weight being that height and he was not that weight so someone said did nobody notice this like surely someone would have spotted this yeah he's walking around a heavyweight and then there's few people that piss me off in boxing as much these days as Ben Shalom Christ he had every opportunity to be likeable solely on the account that you weren't Eddie Hearn yeah and the way that has been thrown away very quickly at least if you're going to say half of this shit, say it with some conviction. Yeah, this is the issue. He's kind of like, if Eddie Hearn had no charisma or personality, and yeah. that's kind of the only thing that gets Eddie out of jail. 
So, what what do you do? It's sort of like having Joe Joyce's sort of general demeanour, but talking like I don't know Floyd Mayweather. You can't really do the two things. Yeah. The the deleted tweets when interviews get posted with him, where he says something he shouldn't have, and he has to reach out and basically what we'll, we'll was saying, you ain't going to interview me again unless you take this down. Yeah, not pretty good. much. Through two rounds, Eubank was doing a lot of clinching and we were saying, is he a bit gun-shy maybe of the fact of what's just happened? Third round, he basically came out and said, you actually aren't offering me much back. I think they said Liam Smith landed 33 punches the whole 10 rounds. Yeah. After a while, his only hope was punching off the ropes and that's where he was taking a shellacking. Yeah, he really was. The the amount of uppercuts he got caught with as well. Oh, if that could have cleaned him out in the fourth, because that was a beauty as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know he's got a chin. The fact that he's able to take that. That kind of goes, well, if you're preparing for Eubank, that's one thing I'm trying to make sure I'm not getting caught with. I didn't think Eubank, I thought he probably, one thing he could have done better is maybe offer more hooks around the side to try and open up that, that uppercut as it went on, because it became a bit predictable. But yeah, other than that, it's, I thought, we were following the same pattern as the first fight, where KG's first two, nothing huge happened. Third is all Eubank. How do you think, right, he's getting on top? And then obviously in the first fight, that fourth round, Smith comes out and cleans him out. This, it was like that just beat any ambition out of him from Eubank because it was just more of the same each round then, wasn't it? Where he would just unleash a flurry. I mean, the one in, is it the fifth round? Where he rattles off about 20 punches. Yeah. How the hell has he done that? Yeah. People were blaming the ankle. That's one of the few things I've not really seen Smith blaming. He said he couldn't move his feet properly, but he didn't. I didn't see him say that he hurt his ankle. No, he said that we know I've got bad ankles anyway, yeah. which presumably goes back to playing Sunday League alongside your uh, boxing career. Well, because he, I saw people point out that he does roll his ankles like that before every fight. I'll ship purely. I assume it's a warm up or a like thing or whatever. But I mean. Seemed a strange thing to do, and I then I don't think he rolls him quite like he did in this. Like both no, of them. no. But, but the the issue is is that the weird sort of acceptance we've got that if he's vaguely close to freestone overweight, that that's like a normal thing. If a footballer stopped training, we wouldn't go like if he's off for the off season. We're not going. Why are you going about freestone overweight? That's okay. That's fine. It's, I hate it. It's it's, dis- it's disrespectful. Not, when that's you know. Huh? That's on pay per view, and you're just disrespecting everyone. Basically, saying uh, talk sport. Someone there said they reported that he basically said, "Well, if I didn't take it now, then Eubank was going to move on." Yeah, that is probably true. Yeah, but so so don't go up free stone. Yeah, yeah. You've all, got a rematch clause, so whilst you know you've got that, yeah. don't balloon in weight. Or be incredibly honest and sell one of the money because don't. <laughs> Do anything other than that. that's the reason you didn't want him to go elsewhere. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he the whole time he was making out it was a chore that I'm having to do this again. Uh, by the way, if if Eubank goes elsewhere, it's only to fight Conor Ben. So you watch him do that, get all the eye, eyeballs that fight will get. Meanwhile, you can come back for your injury and you can say, "Well, I beat him, so let's run it back yeah. on the supposition he beats Conor Ben." Even then, go, well, I so beat him. Let's yeah. see if you want to avenge that loss or not. And then an even bigger payday. The pre-fight stuff of he's obviously going to blame the weight. Don't blame the weight. I mean, how? And what was he said? And Chris knew the weight was bad because he was calling it in the face-off. The levels of irony, yeah, throughout it's because they probably got to a stage in the fight where someone probably should have thrown a towel. He was taking a bit of a pasting. Yeah, and but they couldn't do that because no. everything they'd said. 
the weight which they'd said Chris will use an excuse they couldn't use so yeah it's when your whole thing has been I'm coming up because I'm not a 160 fighter then you really you've you've you pretty sure I saw his trainer say before and that there's a good chance he goes back to like middle afterwards so how can you have those conversations before the fight and then saying actually I was around sort of like 14 and a half stone and if I was his fan I I would I could see the point being made of well it's one on one now so blah 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 but that's not really how it works that well, now that people have seen the second fight they basically say well that was what was always going to happen so this isn't being deemed whether you talk about the weight or not as the freak result. The first one was being called as the freak result. And then yeah. we see, is it going to happen the second time? And I bet if you looked at the numbers, there was half the interest there was this time around. It didn't strike me as people going, is he going to turn it around this time? It didn't seem to capture the buzz in the way that even the first one did with people getting interested in it. Mainly because of the sort of pre-fight chat yeah. got a bit over the line seems to get a lot of people in yeah I, th- I don't know I a thought, third fight I'm not I, sure. no, I don't think it would do no. much numbers I don't think it would and when Eubanks you know quite clearly got the Conor Ben fight there that people will buy into he's not going to fancy that and then there's a last thing I mean could there be any impact on that but the fact that his trainer has just been locked up in his face in five to ten years now yeah who knows what Two, he's been charged. He was in court to two charges. Really? Yeah. He's in in he's he's locked until at least the 9th of October. Christ. Okay. Yeah. The, I- not all the details. I think there's an injunction or something. The big thing is whether there was a bullet in the chamber of the gun. He had rounds, which it is, is why it's, it's a double charge. If it's loaded, he's that sentence goes up again, and. Bigger question as to how it got in in the first place. Is, I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After that, it's entirely feasible, as ridiculous as it is, that he travels over America all the time and he has a gun, he keeps it in his bag. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm not sure that's flying over here. No, I think he's probably got to know. And I think you're about to see a lot of Americans saying, free him, this is ridiculous and all this stuff. And look, I, hope, I hope he does. <laughs> yeah, in, it's in all of our best interest if that's the case. If if we don't believe that he's trying to go on some rampage through Manchester, I'm also not even sure that's the prison you want to be in. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I hadn't realised it was quite as severe as as that. That's- I didn't until I saw they charged and I saw the counts that he's facing. This yeah. is it's it's if. If it's loaded, then we could be looking at 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Because well, when I saw it, because it was almost, almost like a jokey sort of, yeah, yeah. got caught with a gun thing, wasn't it? Which is a bit, feels a bit weird to say. But I was just thinking, well, if I got caught with a gun at an airport, obviously I'm in huge trouble. Whether... He got picked, an, up, he got picked up by a SWAT team. An American doing yeah. it, whether that was going to get him out of it in my mind, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, he got picked up by a SWAT team. Yeah, they sent, they sent the SWAT... Once he got scanned through and they basically don't draw his attention to it and they sent... SWAT team in the airport to lock it down basically that's fucking insane isn't it it kind of you can't even and this shouldn't be the point but you can't even go like well he's famous so get away with it it's like you're not really that famous <laughs> you're no, like, the, the, r- the question is how much the money helps and you've got to think that he has money <laughs> yeah I'd be Bud will probably try and get him out of trouble won't he yeah but, uh, yeah the, the first tweet I saw is- was how does this affect Crawford Spence 2 
that was the first tweet <laughs> I saw. The uh, if you wanted to make other things that are totally irrelevant, is yeah, how does that? Because Eubank finally looks like he's settled on a trainer, and he, he not will be allowed back in the country. And yeah, and at the very he'll probably think, well, I'm never going back yeah. there. At yeah. the very, I do think the only other thing on that is there's a weird sort of is such a good performance from Eubank in terms of top to bottom, everything you could want, a more disciplined performance. Sure, you could box without trying to do a Roy Jones impression. But there's a nagging feeling of me like, why couldn't you, if you just swallowed your pride and you got a trainer in earlier? Yeah. That a trainer that was good and you would listen to. and Because everything he's got, bear in mind how far he's got on limited training so far. All the physical and athletic gifts he's got, if you could have combined that with kind of some humility to, okay, I can take instruction and some, some of that coaching. You just wonder what else he could have done because he's got all the raw ingredients you could need to do everything. Smith's ankles may have gone just seeing Eubank jump in the ring. Mine did. I don't know if you've seen... My knees went. Grove said that uh, Eubank's sister came up to him after the fight and said, you know, if he boxed like that against you, he'd have beaten you. Yeah. And he was like... Ugh. Yeah, I listened to uh, his, uh, his podcast saying that yeah. and he was like, uh, I didn't want to spoil a moment. Yeah, but yeah that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> all right, well, on that note, We'll uh, call it a day. You're back in the heat this week because Movie Madness this week, we're doing Godfather Part 3. Why did I agree to this? Um, Thank you again for listening to another episode. As I say, we'll be back. Adios.